Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host Nick, coming to you from the pimped-out sleigh of the West Coast, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Oh, not so good. People have been throwing shit at me because I've been blowing my weenie whistle in public. <laughs> And coming to us from the falling off a roof and dying of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? Well, it's funny Jules should say that, because from the tender age of three, all I've wanted to do is blow weenies. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why you guys are friends. Anyways, before we explain what the fuck any of that was about, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So we watched the 1994 kids Christmas classic, The Santa Claus. And John, how would you tell someone you watched The Santa Claus without using the title? Ho, 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 ho. (laughs) I feel like that could equally apply to Santa Claus the movie. That would be, ho, ho, what the fuck? (laughs) And Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie, what would it be? I caught daddy killing Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Two in a row, Jules. I'm loving your fucking titles. Just goddamn. So, yeah, guys, uh, what were your experiences with this movie? I saw it. It was fine. Good times. Probably enjoyed it a lot more now as a grown-up. That's really about it. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me Ron Swanson that and take out some of the emotion and finish with end of speech. <laughs> Short and sweet. That's how we. That's how we like it. I mean, for me, this was the movie that made me realize that some flicks are just too soft and cheesy for even me at Christmas. And I. <laughs> I I love a bit of cheese at Christmas, but I went into that movie theater as an innocent, thinking happy thoughts, wonderful things can happen in life, boy, and I left it a why the fuck does Santa have a hot chocolate machine in his sleigh, he needs his hand on the reins, eyes on the reindeer, and the hot chocolate would clearly go cold after 10 seconds at this altitude in a snowstorm, he clearly doesn't have a cup holder either, man. But yeah, I just discovered that I am actually a cheese snob. I have so many issues with your summarization of your um, first encounter with this movie. Yes, encounter. (laughs) So I can't remember if I saw this in theaters. What I do know for certain is that I had the VHS of this and I watched it pretty much every Christmas because I fucking loved it. And I loved it as a kid because I fucking loved it loved christmas it's still the only holiday that i really give a shit about other other than our fourth of july celebrations it was the only time my family went balls to the wall like we still have an amazing christmas tree and like all these ornaments and this movie gave me all the bullshit answers I needed to believe in Santa Claus extra hard. Like, I was asking a lot of the same questions I get asked in this movie. How does he get down the chimney if there isn't a chimney? How does he get down the chimney if there's a fire in the fireplace? 
So yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it. I just stopped watching it eventually. Obviously, when I stopped believing in Santa Claus, it became kind of cheesy. But it was just the movie I watched every Christmas because it fed my bullshit belief in Santa. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, they showed this movie to children. Jesus Christ. I kind of love it because 90% of the arguments are basically similar to arguments for religion. And I just pictured you getting tortured more and more. (laughs) Oh, this time? Absolutely. But here's the thing. I was also a hardcore Bible-believing Christian up until I was like 18. So I'm pretty sure I took some of this Santa logic into like my religious beliefs growing up as well. But coming out of this movie, I it just feels like mediocre Santa Claus fan fiction. Then what would be a particularly good Santa story? Because I think this might be in my top Christmas movies now, to be honest. Oh, dear God. Name something better. A Christmas Story. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, um, Christmas Story, yes. Wonderful Life, no. Wonderful Life is terrible. I know, you don't like that. But that's the perfect amount of cheese. Hold on. A Wonderful Life is better, and this is too sappy saccharine for you? <laughs> That's the thing. I am a cheese snob, I tell you. Oh, so you like it extra cheesy. <laughs> oh, so not cheesy enough. This is like trying to be cheesy, but there's too much questioning and realism. So it's the American cheese of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even Amer- American usually goes over the top. I mean, this was almost a little cynical at times. No, no. The American cheese of cheese. Oh, yeah. Well, American cheese is just, yeah, melting down a highway cone. So it's exactly, exactly <laughs> my point. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely one of like my childhood favorite Christmas movies. I can't remember what else I watched. I think this is, this was like it. This was the Christmas movie. We had that, which shall not be named. And then also like the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, which is just boring. It's so boring. Yes, Charlie Brown Christmas was the other one. Uh, I liked, um, Christmas Carol. I think it's called Scrooge with Alistair Sanders. Oh, we also had a Muppet Christmas Carol. That's That might have to be on the list. That was one that we watched. Of course. I didn't get to see that regularly. I don't know that version that Jules is talking about. There was an animated version of a Christmas Carol we saw a pretty decent amount of. But not Mickey's Christmas. It was, it was more straight up Dickens. Yeah, I remember seeing the animated one as well, and and again, just realizing I'm an adult now. This is just not for me. I'm trying to think of other Christmas. I I definitely watched the original um, Frosty the Snowman animated movie. We had that VHS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had the Rankin Bass stop motion uh, Rudolph. I don't think we had. I might have like caught that on TV once. Yeah. Oh, and Miracle on Thirty Thirty Fourth Street. That was a beautiful movie. The original or the Richard Attenborough one? That's the question. You know, I haven't seen the original. I've only seen the Richard Attenborough one. I've seen both of them. Obviously, as a kid, I preferred the Richard Attenborough version that we had on VHS. It's just because Richard Attenborough is the most likable person in the entire world. (laughs) Seriously. Even as he plays like an evil billionaire, like in Jurassic Park, (laughs) you still like him. So I couldn't find too many fun facts about the Santa Claus, uh, getting back to the movie that we are watching. Because it's just incredibly mediocre. (laughs) It's perfectly serviceable, but guess who fucking wrote this movie? Jesus. Close. Very close. These two guys were co-writers of Space Jam, the original Space Jam. Oh, dear God. All right. Never mind. This is no longer one of my favorite movies. (laughs) That connection alone 
has severed the ties to my heart. Come on and ho. Bye. And welcome to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure John just broke something in his <laughs> Yeah, John just broke his headphones because he could not stand hearing me say that. Did you say poll? I threw my uh I threw my headphones. I couldn't hear you. Hold on. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> well, I have nothing else to say. I think we've listed all the Christmas movies. Yes. Every Christmas movie ever already named. Yes, all of them. We didn't leave a single one out. Uh, So we're going to take a break because that was exhausting. And when we come back, we'll start breaking down the Santa Claus. All right. Got all the stuff for the Christmas prank. John and I are going to pull on jewels. I spent a lot of money, but it's totally going to be worth it. Hey, dude, you, you ready? Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I uh, got all the stuff. I uh, got, got everything on the list. Uh, man, this is going to be the best prank ever. I am so, so excited. Uh, by the way, uh, you are going to reimburse me for your half of this, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Look, my prank's off. Uh, why is the prank off? Well, it turns out that um, Jules has COVID. Oh, shit. Is he okay? Uh, I don't know, I guess. I mean, he, he sounded kind of bad. Ah, oh, man. Now I feel bad for planning an elaborate prank on him. He's got, got COVID. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you should, man. You should. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Okay, what's, what is that? What is going on? Uh, what's going on is the prank. <laughs> See, I get you to buy all this stuff so that we can punk him and then give Jules COVID and you spend all your money for shit you can't use. <laughs> Wait a second. You did. Hold on. So does this mean you're not going to reimburse me for the custom Christmas themed chainsaw you had me buy? Uh, it's a prank. Oh my God. You're the worst. Okay. Wait, hang on. Now that I think about it, how did you actually infect Jules with COVID. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> about that. Oh, fuck. Frank, high five. No high five for you. And we're back and we're going to open up on the 90s Disney logo, except this time with Christmas music and not Wish Upon a Star. Uh, some guy dressed as Santa is walking into a multi-story office party. Did you notice how the the title font starts as Courier, like the same font you use for writing a screenplay, and then changes into the appropriate Christmas-themed title? The guy who was doing the titles was just literally translating from the script in the exactly same font. Nope, I did not notice that at all. I was too busy preoccupied with, you know, it's a company Christmas party. So, of course, all I could think of was the greatest non-Christmas movie ever, and when is Hans Gruber going to show up? <laughs> That's a teacher. It started very much a, a die-hard setup. How much more amazing would this movie have been if it just turned into die-hard? I mean, the buildings look very similar. That, like, late 80s, early 90s. I just wanted Ellis to be in the corner snorting cocaine. There was probably cocaine anyway, just off camera. <laughs> it was a 90s movie. There was cocaine. Good point. In Santa Claus's bed. How dare you, sir? He's not Scarface. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyways, the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. Fuck yeah, Peter Boyle. Greatest Frankenstein's monster ever. Yeah, he shows up uh, because it's been the company's best year thanks to the do-it-all dolly. Did did the writers not hear themselves when they came up with this name? Did nobody in the writers room be like, hey, that sounds like a fuck doll. Can we not call it this? It cries, it wets, you have to feed it, it does it all. Yeah. But anyways, apparently special thanks goes to the Midwest sales and marketing team, which uh, consists of Tim Allen and a lady that he'll interrupt. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to ever applaud our Midwest marketing and distribution team. No. That that never gets an applause. I guess the only reason it would is this takes place in the Midwest? Yeah, just in the Midwest. So anyways, Tim Allen steals the mic, you know, and he calls out there's the guy who played Santa has his secretary sitting on this his lap. And that's just cool. That's fine. Yep. Because it's a time for families, but families ain't here. Casual office affair is casual. A very open office affair. I see you banging your secretary. Eh? Yeah, literally thrusting in the middle of this room. Just She's just sitting on his lap because he's playing Santa. What do you mean, guys? Is that a present in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? It's a weenie whistle. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so now we're Tim Allen's driving home. He's calling his ex-wife, Laura, on a cell phone, lying about there being traffic on the highway, even though he's like the only car on the road. Um, so now we hear carolers singing sweet. I like that carol. I like that carol. too. It's a great song. Just to drive through town to see Christmassy stuff like kids looking into a toy store, you know, looking at all the cool toys. The Nimbus 2000. It's the fastest one yet. <laughs> You never know when a protagonist might be in the proximity. (laughs) (laughs) But we see a kid with some really pointy ears, and that's going to be important later. So, yeah, Tim Allen, he gets home where his disappointed kid is waiting in another car. And holy fuck, we have to talk about the bowl cut. Do we? We do. Do we? I suffered through a few viewings of this bowl cut. Yeah, we have to talk about it. All right, fine. I'll talk about it. Clearly, they put curlers in his hair. Definitely put curlers in his hair. It swoops towards his face from all angles. This isn't just a rad 90s kid center part bowl cut, a.k.a. dead eyes from Indian in the cupboard. No, this is groomed. He is a very sheltered child. But I get the feeling that it's Judge Reinhold and not Mom that does his hair. Entirely possible. I definitely had a bowl cut in the nineties. It's it's bad. There's there's photographic evidence. Yeah, I did too. Not me. See, because John had parents that loved him. I got to wear turtlenecks with sweater vests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Do you know how much more cooler I would have felt with a bowl cut? Oh. <laughs> not very. So, uh, Tim Allen runs up to the house to meet Charlie and his ex-wife Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction. I I didn't realize that Uma Thurman was in this movie. I didn't recognize her with blood not dripping out of her face, but okay. Yeah, it was weird. No, it's not, but it's it's not Uma Thurman. That would have been crazy, but literally the same fucking hairstyle. Yeah. Invites her inside, but Judge Reinhold, who plays a character called Neil, is waiting in the car, the new husband. As we know from Tim Allen's lying about traffic, He's late to his own house to pick up his kid for Christmas. Yes. 
He didn't make it to their house, so they drove to his house, and they're waiting on him so they can go somewhere else. Yes, they're going to go to Neil's family for dinner. This movie really goes out of its way to make Tim Allen's character unlikable, but we're still supposed to root for him somehow. Like, he is a fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah, but something I, I noticed, like, he does care about his kid, though. Does he? It's sort of like he wants to be a good dad, but he's just not good at it. He's not horribly neglectful. He's certainly not abusive. True. He's just not good at it. He's too self-absorbed. That is very true. Flawed characters. At least he has an arc. Exactly. It's weird, but yeah. So yeah, Neil doesn't want to come inside because Tim Allen's going to be a dick to him. And he's like, yep, I'll probably be a dick to him. He invites Laura inside and Laura does come in for a hot second Inside, Tim Allen finds out Neil and Laura didn't straight up lie to Charlie about Santa Claus being real, so he gets really upset by this. I do love the line, probably just because of being a sarcastic ass myself, (laughs) but who said Neil was allowed to do that? If we're going to shatter Charlie's illusions, I should at least be a part of it. (laughs) That's a fantastic line. It's like, look, I wanted to see the light and hope go out of his eyes myself. Like, you should have had me involved in that. You read from John's parenting book. But yeah, I mean, he also has a cheap shot at Neil. He says he's not a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. Seriously, boomers did not fucking want to go get mental health. Yeah, it's not like it's this movie's responsible, but yeah, it's just very much a thing that was around everywhere. Also, psychiatrists are literally fucking doctors. They go to medical school. Yes, you literally have to have an MD. Everyone else in this movie acknowledges that he's wrong about that fact, though. (laughs) That's true. I do also enjoy the the line that Santa Claus is a state of mind. Uh, I, I just really love the idea of monks in Tibet devoting years of their life in deep enlightened meditation to achieve Santa. Yeah, the North Pole is technically is Nirvana. I will have to agree, though, Jules, not about the, the monks, but yeah, Santa is a state of mind. Um, being the the Shrek curmudgeon that I am. Summertime Grinch, you. <laughs> yeah, but I have been Santa many times. And like once you get the, like, I, I'll just color my beard. I don't do the fake beard shit. Hell no. But like you get the color in, you get the suit on and something happens. Like it, it makes everyone else happy. That makes you feel good. It really is a great thing that just, you know, clothes make the man sort of thing or whatever. And then I got to take a shower and wash all that joy off. (laughs) Yeah. Gets sticky after a while. It's hard to cry yourself to sleep at night when you're happy. And I don't like messing up my routine. (laughs) It's very important to have a nighttime routine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so guys, I have a question because Charlie is kind of like standing for Neil during this whole thing. Did all little American boys in the 90s sound exactly the same? Because like, he sounds literally exactly the same as Tim in Jurassic Park. Like the voice, the intonation, it just sounds the same. Did we all sound like this? Well, not Jules, he was in Britain, but. I think there was one person who sounded like this, and it's just the most amazing ADR work you've ever seen. <laughs> the only one kid was allowed to ADR <laughs> the other kids in the early 90s. All young boys from. From the late 80s to mid 90s were dubbed by this one individual. (laughs) Uh, I think that's a good theory. Yeah, I got to say, all the kids in this, good job. 
But I do find Charlie's voice really grating. It just always sounds like he's whining. But that's not his fault. Yeah, but it is the fault of whoever decided to let him be in the movie. <laughs> you have to admit, though, that Reinhold and Alan, they, they have two of the sweetest voices in the entire world. I don't know about Alan. Reinhold, yeah, he's a sweetie. The The long-standing tradition of wife gets remarried to a genuinely good guy who, sure, might be a little dopey, but we've got to hate him. Yeah, he's a perfectly nice guy. And this isn't even like, oh, they split up, they're going through some shit, and she's got a boyfriend. She's remarried. Yep, she's remarried. He's nice. He cares about Charlie, you know. Yeah. The only thing that's unlikable is that he's he's making him too grounded. It's the whole thing that, you know, he was traumatized, as we'll find out later on. By his lack of weenie, yes. Lack of weenie blowing. You've got exactly by his lack I mean that's the implication. But it's it's yeah, it's the fact that he, you know, quashes any whimsy. I think that's supposed to be the unlikable thing of it. Except for that whole conversation of we all agree he's too old for this shit. <laughs> Riggs. Too old for this shit. <laughs> Why can we just not accept that Charlie is Danny Glover? Seriously. <laughs> so Laura and Tim Allen, like they're fighting about the fact that she's old Charlie, there's no Santa Claus. And Charlie comes out and he's like, God, do you guys always have to fight? And Tim Allen takes a shot at Neil and Laura. He's like, look, they don't, they don't believe in Santa Claus because they got coal in their stockings as kids. And Charlie's like, don't you think it's kind of babyish to believe in that stuff, Tim Allen? And Tim Allen's like, no, I believe in Santa Claus and I'm not a baby, am I? The way you've been acting so far, man. Yeah, you're not making a good case for yourself. No, no, you're not. So Charlie really doesn't want to spend Christmas with his dad. He's like, Bob, you're going to come here at the crack of dawn, right? Like, as the fucking birds are chirping, you will be here to rescue me from this hell. Right, Mom? <laughs> This is a great piece of evidence against what I just said a little while ago of Tim Allen really trying to be a good father. <laughs> You'll come and get me like first thing crack of dawn. Oh my God, that's hurtful, man. That's hard to hear. And yeah, because he's literally like, because they're, they're doing- He's right there. Yeah, they're doing he's this in the right entrance way. He's right there in the kitchen leafing through a fucking cookbook and he hears all of this and he doesn't react to that. He reacts to the recipe he's looking at, which is clearly for how to roast a turkey. And he's like, four hours? Like, yeah, you should have been cooking this shit three hours ago. Yeah, but there was office Christmas party with Pimpaclaws and his sexy secretary to go to. <laughs> Oh, well, anyways, we hear White Christmas playing uh, as we pan over a delicious looking Christmas dinner, but that's on TV, so that's not what they're eating. And yeah, we look at their actual dinner. It looks kind of shitty. This is not quite as burnt as the dinners my grandparents would make. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, because these have like visible char on them. Yes, but there are visible spots that aren't charred, and that's the difference. <laughs> You see, but this is foreshadowing. He's putting coal on his son's plate. This is failing at being a good dad. That's all this is. White single dads can't cook, but he can put out a fire. He's got a fire extinguisher. Um, He can attempt to put out a fire. It takes multiple tries despite standing there with the fire extinguisher. Look, it's not his fault that he bought the Zippo lighter of fucking turkeys because it reignites itself. <laughs> I was going to say it comes fully stocked with fuel. I don't know. It's it's a self-lighting turkey. Is it weird to put gasoline in turkey stuffing? I don't know. Turkeys are just like that. 
I really love that exchange where Charlie's like, those flames were really high, Dad. And he's like, yeah, turkeys are funny like that because this is a regular thing for Tim Allen. Yeah, I do not want to go over to his house for for dinner. I want to be there for experimentation. Like, does this work for deli sandwiches as well? (laughs) He makes a salad and it just bursts into flames. Classic Homer Simpson scene where he pours milk and cereal into a bowl and it sets on fire. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. (laughs) Well, anyways, he finally gets the flame out. This turkey is fucked. It is charred. It is like full of fire extinguisher white stuff. And he's like, it's done. Boo. (laughs) So now they're they're driving around trying to find a restaurant that's open. But Charlie's like, hey, you know, Neil's a good cook. Huh? Tim Allen quips, yeah, well, you should see him walk on water. And Charlie doesn't like Tim Allen making fun of Neil. And Tim Allen's like, okay, like, I'm sorry. There's just something about Neil that makes me want to lash out irrationally because those are words a kid uses. Well, he learned them from Neil. Yeah, and Charlie likes the fact that Neil listens to him, unlike you, Tim Allen, dick. Yeah, but then you got to pay him because he's a psychiatrist. And, you know, people do their jobs the entire time. I'm sorry, what were you saying? I don't pay you, Jules. Shut up. Nice try. Those are my running gags. (laughs) So, yeah, so they stop off at Denny's. It's an American institution full of Japanese businessmen. And guys, like, I I don't know, but I really don't want to believe that a Japanese businessman would wear a fucking suit to Denny's on Christmas Eve. I don't want to believe that. (laughs) I would, because clearly this is a corporate event. I'm not sure why they're having their corporate event on Christmas Eve at a fucking Denny's, but it makes sense that they're dressed for business. Moving on. Um, so Tim Allen looks around and makes awkward eye contact with all the other dads who suck at cooking and have brought their kids there. Divorced dads, by the way. There's not a mom to be seen in this Denny's. Yeah, I love the waitress walks up and asks suburban dad with his little son if he's with the Japanese businessmen in their suits. (laughs) He's like, no, dad burnt the turkey. And she's like, oh, yeah, over here. They got their little designated area. It probably has ropes around it. It's like the former smoking section. (laughs) (laughs) Under what circumstances would they be with the Japanese businessmen? Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I think she's just so worn out from working on Christmas Eve. They're out of everything you want to order. There's no eggnog. There's not even fucking chocolate milk, man. This waitress has had a day, clearly. There's no apple pie. I just love that this moment that's brought to you by Denny showcases how they're out of anything that you might actually Right? This is the worst fucking representation (laughs) of their brand. It just shows how much they fail at being a restaurant. The waitress fucking hates her life there's no food there's loud people speaking a language you don't understand what the fuck like if i was the Denny's exec i'd be like no they, they have to at least have eggnog fuck's sakes so back at the house tim allen is yada yadaing through a fucking bedtime story best dad ever yeah he's like he's you know doing the night before christmas and you know he's like i rose such a clatter and yada 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 merry christmas to all to all good night and charlie i think he clearly like pretended to be asleep just to fucking get through this no charlie did it just to fuck with his dad because he already doesn't want to be there anyway and i totally get on tim allen's side with the yada yadaing because man the kid's asleep we're gonna kind of get through we're gonna finish the story but we're gonna do it kind of quick so we can get the fuck out of here but no 
Charlie has questions. Yes, as he's leaving the room, as he's just turned the light off, he's like, ah, fuck, he turns the light back on. Isn't this the point at which we get all of the uh, religious excuses? Well, no, you have to get a vocab lesson first. Yes, you have to get a vocabulary lesson because Charlie's like, hey, what's a rose such a ladder? Like like the thing you climb up to get on a roof. And Tim Allen's like, no, 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 a rose such a clatter. He says, a rose meaning to come. No, the fuck it doesn't. And a clatter meaning a big noise. No, the fuck it doesn't. I consulted three different fucking dictionaries. That does me not mean that at all. All right? Wrong dictionaries. I always come shortly after I arose. <laughs> See, Jules is using the right dictionary. <laughs> He's using a very sensual dictionary. <laughs> a functionary, if you will. It's the dictionary as written by Ted Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, after Tim Allen fails at vocabulary, Charlie starts asking the big fucking questions about Santa Claus. How do reindeer fly? How does he get down the chimney when he's so fat? What about people who don't have chimneys, huh? And I gotta say, I am not a fan of Santa Claus apologetics. The answer is because it's fucking magic. That's it. Right. One of the things that made me smile about this is that I'm picturing this as Nick's conversation with every Jehovah's Witness who knocks on his door. This is my conversation with every fucking religious person. (laughs) But literally asking the same questions. Exactly. Like, they want to come and talk about Jesus, and he's like, but how did the reindeer fall? (laughs) Do you understand how Joseph Smith found the plates and put the seer stones in a hat? Right, right. But how does Santa get in without a chimney? (laughs) I'm going to start doing that. But so Tim Allen gives him, like, the excuse that every religious person who's just lost an argument about God gives. And he's like, look, sometimes believing in something means you just believe. And just like that, Nick became a believer. You know, he just he came back to religion. He got baptized again. He had his wang cut off. Nick's right back into religion now. <laughs> yeah, not, not circumcised for a second time. Just the whole dick went. <laughs> the whole dick's got to go. That's how it works, right? When you when you go off and come back. Yeah, you got to like give up your dick. It's all, yeah. Let this be a lesson to you. <laughs> not going back to religion. Check. Yeah, I'm, I'm only going back if I have like armor plate on my dick (laughs) we're talking about santa claus (laughs) so charlie makes tim allen like restate that he does in fact believe in santa and as tim allen's leaving charlie's like hey um you should probably leave out some cookies and milk for santa and tim allen's like yeah sure i'm just gonna go ahead and preheat the oven don't forget the fire extinguisher because you suck at making shit dad charlie's playing the long game (laughs) not only does he want mom to pick him up at the crack of dawn he's making sure he doesn't have to come back (laughs) Just to watch the world burn. (laughs) This is not the only time that Charlie is going to insinuate that he's going to kill his father. Let me tell you. We'll get there. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) So outside, definitely Santa Claus is flying just out of frame. Charlie is woken up by Santa landing on the roof and he wakes up Tim Allen to tell him that he's heard a clatter. And Tim Allen's like, no, man, there's, there's nothing going on. Except he hears a thud on the roof. Yeah, so Tim Allen runs outside in his boxers and a jacket. He startles Santa Claus on the roof, who slips and falls off of the roof onto his back and promptly dies. Casual Santa death is casual. It's it's very casual, yes. 
<laughs> and this will not be as much of a big deal as anyone will make it. No, but no neighbors hear this. Nope. Nobody calls the cops. No. Nobody's like, why the fuck is there a dead guy in front of Tim Allen's house? Nope. Everyone's just minding their own business. And Tim Allen goes through the very, very considerate process of making sure his ass is covered legally yes doesn't check his pulse he kicks his boot to see if he's still alive uh charlie comes out and is immediately scarred by seeing a dead body you would think but no again very casual yeah charlie's clearly seen some dead bodies before (laughs) (laughs) there's something he needs to talk about with neil (laughs) i saw dead santa claus Dad really wanted to be part of making sure I knew that there wasn't Santa, so he went out and killed him for me. (laughs) (laughs) He made it true. So yeah, so instead of like checking for a pulse or whatever, Tim Allen like looks for Santa's ID and instead finds a business card that says, put on the suit, the reindeer will know what to do. And he's basically like, bullshit. But here's bells, and there's reindeer. And I hate these reindeer. I really do. Really? Yeah. As an animatronic, they're really good. Like, that side of the work, the puppetry, fantastic. But they look like shit. They look like they're almost trying to be a cartoon. They don't look like reindeer. They don't look like deer. They don't look like elk. They're just this weird fucking monstrosity. Because I think they look way better than the ones in Santa Claus the movie. I know you hate the ones from Santa Claus the movie, but they used real fucking reindeer in that movie. That's what reindeer look like. They are my least favorite part of this entire movie. Anyways, I didn't care as much about this as John did. But yeah, back to the death note. I I need you guys to know that if something should happen to me, slather yourselves in honey and run to the closest beehive. The bees will know what to do. I mean, I'm just assuming one of you killed me. (laughs) I don't know want to know the fine print on that card. <laughs> it's four letters and a question mark repeated continuously around. Because it's what you're going to be saying when you read it. You just go, beasts? <laughs> <laughs> Little inside joke about Jules's favorite uh, Cards Against Humanity card. Santa has a death note, you know, that says, do my job. Yeah, and, and this is more, by the way, this is a note in case of Santa's death. Not to be confused with the Death Note. Yeah, not the one from the anime. Not the cool one. I feel like Santa Claus, after all his years of doing the Santa thing, would have had some sort of safety precaution for being on a roof. I get the feeling that Santa dies under a different circumstance each time. Because Tim Allen Santa becomes super concerned about falling off a roof. They're like, hey, we got shit so you don't burn alive in a fireplace. Yeah, but what if I fall? Like, it's, yeah. One mountain climbing harness. That's all he'd need. It's all he'd need. Nah, you still got to secure the rope somewhere every goddamn time. I mean, sure, you could put it on the sleigh, but really? Then they're going to start demanding helmets. It's just, it's a whole thing. Health and safety got mad. So. They see the radio, the sleigh on the roof, and then Santa's body has the weirdest rigor mortis because it waves. He's clearly not dead yet, but he's like, ah, they got the card. 
I'm free. Free <laughs> yeah. at last. The sweet release of death from this nightmare. Yes, because if you think about it, this guy probably became Santa under similar circumstances. So he has been bestowed with this like legal red tape curse for we don't know how long. Because it's not a family movie, and especially a holiday one without existential horror. <laughs> Definitely not. It's very true. Well, anyway, Santa gets raptured. I swear, they missed the opportunity of just having a naked Santa running off in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Tim Allen thinks. Yes, yes. Because Charlie's like, oh my God, he disappeared. The suit's still here. And, he's, and Tim Allen's like, there's a naked guy running around somewhere. <laughs> Charlie, cover your eyes. <laughs> What I also enjoy is that he, he wants the police to handle this, and I swear NYPD Santa Claus is the sequel we've all been waiting for. We're in the Midwest. Oh, right, yeah. Whatever. Kansas City PD. <laughs> Kansas City PD. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so Tim Allen's trying to like, figure out what the fuck's going on here. It's like, this, there's radio on the roof. Santa guy disappeared, and then he smacks his head onto a ladder and Disney pixie dust flies off of it. The movie is really invested in this fucking Rose Suchik ladder joke. God, I hate this so much. It's so bad. Charlie reads the thing. Hey, Dad, it's from the Rose Suchik ladder company. But not as bad as the reindeer. Because they fought. Because kids see there's things that all of us hate about them what of two gratuitous farts in this movie it's a big fuck you yeah my note here is so charlie gets up onto the roof uh he slips himself falls off snaps his neck becomes a quadriplegic and the movie took a really dark turn yeah but some couple stumbles across the body and one of them is now legally tim allen's child <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. It's the law of the universe. Tim Allen grabs Santa's clothes, uh, you know, evidence in a potential crime, and takes it onto the roof with him. <laughs> Charlie's like, Chad, check it out, Santa's sleigh. He's like, no, dude, there's no such thing as Santa's sleigh, but you said there was such a thing as Santa Claus. He's like, yes, I definitely did say that. Just, that's not this one. Yeah, Tim Allen tries to pass this off as a gift from the cable company because they signed up for the Disney Channel. So Merry Christmas, Charlie. We got the Disney Channel. He tells Charlie to get out. Charlie's like, no, I don't want to. And he gets into the sled. He yells, let's go. And the reindeer take this as a cue to start flying. This is where I noted that the reindeer sound like Goro from Mortal Kombat. So as terrible as the reindeer are, if all of them would just like raise their hooves up in the air, <laughs> the whole movie... This would have become amazing. It really would, yeah. Guys, we'll never deliver all these presents on time. I don't fail. <laughs> Charlie starts doing the splits and punching him in the balls. <laughs> I think this is also where uh, Tim Allen says he doesn't know where the clothes have been. And my note was he knows exactly where it's been. They were on the corpse in your front yard, dude. Yeah, you know. You know where they This has been. been a night of criminality. We have second degree manslaughter. We have breaking and entering. I mean, the charges are racking up. Theft of a non-motorized vehicle. Animal abuse, like. And we're just getting started. <laughs> it's a long night ahead of us, Charlie. Oh, yeah. No, the, he's going away for a while. Yeah, very much so. 
yeah, so Charlie's like, go down the chimney, and, and Tim Allen's like, no, that's stupid. And then Charlie Giltrip's like, why is everything I want to do stupid? And it's like, one, you're not doing anything. You're trying to make your dad do something. And two, you're about to be responsible for condemning your dad to being Santa Claus until he dies. <laughs> because he's playing the long game. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, what you're, I know where you're going with this. Yes. So Tim Allen puts on the suit. He's bitching about it the entire time. And he's like, wow, yeah, I hope the guy who lives in here is a tailor because these pants are way too big. So now what? You got to take the bag and deliver the presents, Dad. Come on. Yeah. So he picks up the sack and he immediately starts floating over to the chimney. And he says, Dad, you're flying. To which Tim Allen responds, it's okay. I lived through the 60s. Nice one. It's not flying. He's falling with style. <laughs> Uh, neither. He's hovering. Hovering with style. No, no. This is not stylish whatsoever. Now, if he was writing, say, a vacuum cleaner or something, that would be style. So would you call it sad, strange, little flying, and it has your pity? Most certainly. <laughs> if I was capable of pity. <laughs> so yeah, he goes down the chimney, and fuck, these presents are awful. He leaves an unwrapped pair of sneakers and an unwrapped toy truck under the tree and his job is done hey that's not his fault that it's the presents you're shaming the kids that asked for them i am these kids have low standards not as low as laura and neil which i will get into later but these kids <laughs> should ask for them. well anyways uh yeah so that's what a rottweiler shows up so tim allen tries to escape through the window sets off an alarm and you hear a guy yelling upstairs and what is clearly the sound of a shotgun cocking <laughs> Fantastic Christmas movie. I love it. <laughs> Santa's here. Lock and load, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you unfamiliar with the Weird Al classic Christmas at Ground Zero? I think I am unfamiliar with that. You might hear some reindeer on your rooftop or Jack Frost on your windowsill, but if someone's climbing down your chimney, you better load your gun and shoot to kill. <laughs> I am going to look for this song when we're done recording. It's it's the greatest, yes. But lucky for Tim Allen, uh, he gets saved by the bag, which uh, floats him back up the chimney, and fucking hell, this chimney CGI is garbage. Oh, dear God. So... Tim Allen flies, you know, gets back into the slate. He's like, look, look, let's go home. So they start flying and land on the roof next door. <laughs> Literally right next door. And that's when the guy from the first house came outside, saw them, and shot Tim Allen dead with his shotgun. And became Santa Claus, and the cycle continues. <laughs> and that, kids, is why Santa Claus always has a shotgun. Yes, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I got another Weird Al song. <laughs> Trigger happy? No, no, the night Santa went crazy. And he smiled as he said with a twinkle in his eye, Merry Christmas to all, now you're all gonna die. <laughs> so Charlie wants him to, like, you know, they're on the next roof, and he's like, Charlie wants him to do it again, but Tim Allen's like, no, dude, the bag's empty. Like, what are you gonna do? And Comet, like, is not putting up with Tim Allen's doesn't want to be Santa shit. He's like growling at him and Tim Allen's like, what the fuck, dude? Are you growling at me? Seriously? Like, look, it's empty. There's no chimney. There's no fireplace. And then after Comet growls again, well, what do you know? The bag is full of presents and he starts floating towards the, I guess, radiator outlet, as we'll see. He gets slurped into it. The radiator turns into a fireplace and in this fireplace is a kettle on like a fire stove. Why would this fireplace need a copper kettle with a fire stove? Somebody please explain it. The kettle was on the radiator. Was it? And it goes back into position when the fireplace leaves. 
Now, my question is, why the fuck are they using the radiator to make their tea when no one's awake? When you need tea, you need tea. Emergency tea kettle, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So they're slightly preheating it so it doesn't take as long when they want tea? If you have to brew an emergency cup at 4 a.m. for no reason. Right. So they're preheating it right now so it doesn't take as long. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's why I just put the water in and leave it plugged in. You just walk by, click the switch, boom, you're ready. In your bathroom. Well, (laughs) naturally, where else do you make tea? (laughs) Exactly. As we learned from Mission Impossible, that's where you do it. So anyways, there's a little girl who's been sleeping by the radiator, and she's like, Santa? And he's like, no, Scott Calvin, which is, remember those initials. I love this kid. I love this kid. Because she's like, Santa? Uh, No, I'm just filling in. She's like, cool, make sure you do everything you're supposed to. Like, she's not freaked out by this other guy (laughs) in the house. And when she's like, oh, you gotta have the milk and cookies. No, I'm lactose intolerant. She's just like, dude. Come on, man. Like, she's not about to cry. She's not scared. She's not anything. Yeah, I think this movie thinks that being lactose intolerant is not real. No, it, it's it's it was clearly him lying. Like, he's just, like, being an asshole. He's saying that to be an asshole and not drink the milk. Okay. It's not like the movie's making a statement. It's just, yeah, him being a prick. Yeah, it's him being a prick. <laughs> and so he's putting the things under, and she keeps asking him questions, and he, like, waves a doll in her face. He's like, do you want this? Because I will fucking take this shit away from you if you don't stop asking me some goddamn questions. There's an entire two chapters on this behavior in my parenting book. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's the thing. This doll that he's waving in front of, it is literally a Raggedy Ann doll. And this is 1994, and I promise you, no girl in 1994 wants a fucking Raggedy Ann doll. They want Barbies. They want other shit. Not Raggedy Ann. So this is not a real threat. No, no. That's the threat. Do you want this? Because keep this shit up and I will leave it here for you. <laughs> yeah. If you want Malibu Barbie, you're going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get ragged in instead, you little brat. <laughs> and then he flies up the chimney while mocking the girl like, yeah, you're supposed to drink the milk, little brat. So after delivering some more presents, uh, including a puppy, dawn is breaking and Tim Allen tells the reindeer it's time to go home and that he's going to need a CAT scan because he's probably hallucinating all this. However, instead of taking them back to their house, the reindeer take them to the North Pole. Right, because this is your home now. I mean, it's not as creepy as the version in Santa Claus the movie, but it's the same principle. But it looked similar enough to it where I was having fucking PTSD flashbacks like... Yeah, what really sets it apart is the elves' nonchalance because they've been through this shit so many times before. Santa Claus the movie was like, this is the first time it's happened. And so Chosen One is here, and you would be with us forever. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, of course, there's an actual pole at the North Pole. Uh, Yeah, that's why it's called that. Yeah, exactly. A fucking barber pole comes out of the ground as a child elf comes out. Um, An elf. Okay, but they look like children. They, they use children to play the elves, but they are elves. They are not children. This will become very clear, and I expect us to have an argument about Judy in this regard. Oh, boy, are we going to have an argument about Judy. This is Never Neverland. It, it is child labor. <laughs> no! These are not children that don't age. They are elves. There is a distinct difference. They are elves. They are thousands of years old. 
Okay, but can we at least agree that the way this like entrance opens is fucking stupid? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because this elf <laughs> has to come to the North Pole and apparently they've installed like a digital keypad and he has to enter a code to have the sleigh descend into the compound. I think this is the elf version of the Alaskan radio tower. He's the fuck up. He's the undesirable. You know what, dude? You you just, you can come back in when Santa gets home, all right? Possibly, but the reindeer, like, magic themselves into their pens, so why doesn't the sleigh just magic itself? Like, why do they have to have this dramatic lowering other than to play this, like, Christmas song? You gotta have the reveal. Well, they've, they've crammed so many Christmas carols into this movie already. <laughs> I didn't need one more. <laughs> they're cramming a lot of twee into these next moments. Like there's just like little elves and they're skipping around and they're so happy. Oh, so happy. Except the foreman is is like a New Yorker foreman who I'm pretty sure hates his job. I think he's really into the job. He's just got no time for your shit. He's the only actor who's like a teenager at the North Pole so that he's taller and sounds more mature. So he's clearly the elf in charge. Alpha male. <laughs> <laughs> Puns suck. Buds are amazing, and I enjoyed that. Ha ha! Can't take it away from me. I give them freely. I, I want them out in a way. Mm. And I put them in a bathtub, and I bathe in them. It's great. Mm. John's puns. Mm, yeah, mm. John's puns. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, here's the thing. Like, he clearly <laughs> needs to delegate more because he is so fucking stressed. Like, come on, dude. Like, I know you're the head elf, but trust the people below you. Make sure the managers below you, like, know their job and just take the pressure off, man. Like, get a massage or something. Jesus. So Tim Allen falls Bernard. Uh, he's like trying to get out. So he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Who are you people? Like, what am I doing here? By the way, it's not my fault the other guy died. I have good homeowners insurance and I got a good lawyer. Not as good as my ex-wife but let's not get into that. Bernard just has no time for this shit, man. Who's in charge here? You are. You're Santa. I go through this like every few decades, man. Come on. Yeah. I got shit to do. It's not my fault you didn't read the fucking contract before signing on to this gig. But he does have time for Charlie because Charlie comes up and he's like, hey, who are you? He's like, hey, sport. Hey, dad, he calls me sport like you. And that's all you need to do to get Charlie on your side is just call him sport. Which is weird because he doesn't like being around his dad. Yeah, but there's a part of him that wants his dad to love him. Yeah, that's true. But also, as Bernard will say, like, children house the spirit of Christmas and he's all about that. So with Santa, dude, you're the new guy. Get your shit together. We got work to do. Children, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. As a matter of fact, here's a snow globe for you. Yeah. 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 Be Welcome. You need something to drink? You hungry? Come on in. We got a ballroom to play with. Yeah. You, Santa, fatten up, dude. Come on. Check the list. Let's go. I mean, it's there's a clear moral message. Accept gifts from strange old men, children. Yes, especially if they've been taking care of their skin. No, weirdly white dreadlocked teenagers. What the fuck is with these dreadlocks? You can't have it both ways, John. You can't have it both ways. They are either children or 900 years old. Children and teenagers are different. Thank you. <laughs> He's been a teenager for 800 years. <laughs> you have to pick a lane. <laughs> no, I don't. Old person, 
or child or teenager. You can't have it. You can't have both old. You do not accept. No, you don't accept gifts from old strangers. (laughs) You accept them from the dreadlocked teenagers who have been teenagers for eight centuries. I'm, I'm sorry you're not following along here, but this exceptionally clear ironclad logical proof. Santa Claus with E. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyways, your guys bickering aside, this snow globe is Chekhov snow globe. It is. This is a snow globe that will pay off later because he shakes it up and he sees like a Santa sleigh with reindeer like flying through the the scene in the snow globe. Bernard tells him like, hold on to that. That's very old, just like me. And how old could he possibly be considering the snow globe was only invented in the late 19th century? Well, he's older than the snow globe. He's just letting Charlie know, I'm actually old. I'm not a proper human teenager. I'm not trying to be one. Okay. Also, a kid is never happy to receive a snow globe as a gift. Well, this kid is, apparently. (laughs) Again, he's supposed to be Danny Glovering, but he's not. So Bernard passes Charlie off to another elf to go get him some chow, and he takes Tim Allen into a sweatshop. Sorry, I mean a toy workshop. A toy workshop. <laughs> it's not warm enough to be a sweatshop. No. No. It's a concentration camp. <laughs> it's, a con- <laughs> it's a gulag. <laughs> oh, I, I will grant you that because <laughs> Bernard... Runs a tight ship, or at least tries to. Yeah, he will yell at you. That whole coffee break segment? Oh my god, I love this guy. Yeah, Bernard is John in the movie. <laughs> um, so Tim Allen's like, look, Bernard, like, I, I'm not Santa Claus. And he's like, look, you read the card, right? And he's like, yeah, cool. Um, so because you read the card and you put on the fucking suit, you are subject to the Santa Claus. Yes, you have consented. You gave your consent. You cannot withdraw consent at any time until upon your death or accidental dismemberment. Yeah. This is existentially terrifying, right? I mean, just just the idea. It wouldn't be a family-friendly holiday movie without it. (laughs) That there are magical forces to trap unknowns into doing anything they want. Uh, That is what you get for making deals with the Fae. (laughs) That's why this house will never have a fucking elf on a shelf. You never invite them in. <laughs> no, sir. It's worse than Krampus. <laughs> but yeah, so he like he shows him the card under a magnifying glass, and there's like fine print around the edges. It's hidden. These magical lawyers are evil. Right. I'm no contracts lawyer, but this is not enforceable. This surely cannot be enforceable legally. What did make me chuckle, though, is I was I started picturing the North Pole lawyer commercials. Have you had an accident at work? You may be entitled to deliver cosmic karma in the form of a lifetime of servitude for the one responsible. <laughs> yeah, that sounds more like it. Legally blinded. <laughs> blinded. Legally blinded. <laughs> blinded by the law. <laughs> Again, this is why you don't deal with the Fae. Spirits play by their own rules. They're not bound by your human morality or legalese. <laughs> no, sir. I'm just trying to push back against this whole Santa Claus thing. And Bernard has now had enough of Tim Allen shit. He's like, try to understand. And like loud enough where the entire workshop's like, ooh. <laughs> as much as I like Bernard, he does need to chill a little bit because Tim Allen, Santa's first day on the job. And he's acting like it's December 22nd. Mm-hmm. And he knows that fine print is very well hidden. Well, again, the Fae, they don't give a shit about that. 
my point is he's acting like they've got two or three days to get Christmas ready. It's the start of the new cycle, man. Look, when your diet primarily consists of milk and cookies, you are definitely wound up. Also to the point, if they've been doing this for something like 900 years, then he's seen this shit before and he knows he's always met quota. This is not a high pressure scenario. This is an incredibly dull routine at this point. <laughs> you would think. Maybe that's what it is. He's just been, he's got burnout. Could be. Yeah, he needs to go take a vacation. Yeah, take a century and a half yeah. off. Yeah. Come on. Go to the Gulag Archipelago. That's Why not? <laughs> sure. There you go. And so Bernard's like, look, I'm an elf, and only Santa Claus can deliver toys. Elves can't deliver the toys. So in the world of the North Pole, elves are untermentioned. There's like a hierarchy of races in the North Pole. <laughs> this is getting dark. <laughs> More rules than Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I don't know why I expected a, l- a little less war crimes from World War II in our Christmas special. <laughs> I don't know why either. Wouldn't be Christmas without it. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap between Santa's list and Schindler's list. <laughs> well, speaking of lists, uh, Bernard tells him, like, look, you got 11 months to get your affairs in order. You got to be back by Thanksgiving, and I'm going to send you the list. Like, what list? And you just see Bernard die inside. Like, I know what's going to happen when I sing this. You know, the <laughs> list, like, he's making a list checking it twice and the entire workshop starts singing Bernard's just like god damn it guys like, <laughs> just for once just let me say the thing this is Charlie's fault Charlie starts singing and that's what causes everyone else to chime yeah, in yeah Charlie's come back at this point is this the point uh, at which Tim Allen starts not believing in Santa Claus or saying out loud that he doesn't believe in Santa Claus yeah he's like what if I don't believe in this whole Santa thing and everyone's just like <gasps> Well, he says, what if I choose to not believe? Like, I, I, I don't want to be bound to this. I don't want to be wrapped into this contract. Right. That's my point. After arguing for believing in Santa Claus and seeing undeniable proof that Santa Claus exists, this character decides not to believe. I don't know Richard Dawkins very well. But if God flew down and slapped his dick across his face, I guarantee you that fucker would believe. Oh, absolutely. He would believe. While I concur he would believe in this situation, Dawkins would have to become God. But that is different from choosing not to believe. Not wanting the job versus choosing not to believe. Yeah, I I agree. This is a very weird thing for him to say, given the circumstances. I agree. Technically, you are correct. I love technically correct statements, as we well know. (laughs) It is the best kind of correct. It is the best kind of correct. You're a semantic truffle pig. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, you're right. That is different. But Scott is looking for a way out. So he's just throwing out what ifs. What if I don't want to believe this? What if I don't want to do the job? What if I like, just how do I get out? How do I just say no? How do I get out of this contract that was sealed by my kid peer pressuring me into putting on a dead man's clothes? (laughs) But that's not his argument. He says not to believe as opposed to, I don't think I'm up for this job, which would be the more rational response. Yeah, but with the night he's had, rationality can take a long fucking riding coach, all right? (laughs) So yeah, the deathly hush, you know, among the elves and Bernard's like, look, the spirit of Christmas lives inside kids and you're going to be disappointing millions of kids if you don't do this and you're going to kill that spirit. Uh, You don't want to kill the spirit of Christmas, do you, Santa? At this point, I wonder if the movie is just taking a, you know, those shitty religious movie 
formats. Like, you know, God will come down and smite you, then who'll be laughing? Satan, and that's who will be laughing. Satan! Yeah, exactly. And he'll slap you with bibbles. So anyways, uh, Judy is going to show him to his room. Now we're in Santa's room, where there's a puppet show that's playing to nobody. Punch and Judy. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck is there a Punch and Judy puppet show in Santa's bedroom? I don't know. So weird. Charlie then jumps onto the bed with his shoes on like a fucking savage. God damn. <laughs> Not his bed. <laughs> That's even more reason to take your shoes off. Well, anyways, Judy asked Tim Allen if he wants anything from the kitchen because the kitchen's always open. And I like that about the North Pole. You can just get food whenever the fuck you want. Finally get that eggnog and apple pie. Chocolate milk. Hells yeah. And he's like, how about a stiff drink? I don't think they have liquor at the North Pole, unfortunately. Evidently not. But so she gives up some PJs that say SC, like Santa Claus, or Scott Calvin. Hmm. You keep acting like there's a connection here. I don't see it. <laughs> it's almost like he was destined for this job. And so she's like, cool, I'm going to go out and get you some refreshments. Tim Allen takes off his Santa pants and the puppets react to him in his boxers. And this has some horrific implications. Yes, the puppets are sentient and act out their sketches at all times. Bear in mind, this is the same people that wrote Space Jam. And we know that Looney Tunes cartoons happen in real time when displayed on television in that movie. <laughs> So Judy comes back with a tray and she shoes a bunch of elves that are looking in from the outside, but the glass is completely opaque. So what the fuck are they looking at? Small ones. What do your elf eyes see? <laughs> Blurry Tim Allen taking off his pants. Well, at least they blurred it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's brought cocoa. It's her own recipe and it took her 1200 years to get right. So uh, Judy. No, 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 no. My note is fuck off. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. That, that mixture, that took you two weeks to figure out. Yeah, if it took you that long, I think you suck at cocoa. Like, really suck. Like, you were making it with wood chips. <laughs> but this child thinks that Tim Allen's hitting on her. Yep. No, because Tim Allen says, you look pretty good for your age. She's like, no, sorry, I'm seeing somebody in rapping. Yeah, but he's just making a snide offhand comment. As Jules said, she thinks he's hitting on her. That's a good joke. And that is when I cut my ears off and blinded myself with sulfuric acid because what in the holy fucking shit did I just witness? Uh, you watched an elf spurn a human's advances, which were delivered in a misunderstanding. The actress is a child. I'm sorry, no matter what the fucking rules of the world is, these are lines being spoken between a grown-ass man and a fucking child. This was so uncomfortable. It really was. It was fun. Okay, first of all, yes, technically it's a grown man and a little child in our real world saying it. But again, you have trouble differentiating goddamn fiction. It is a centuries-old elf. It works for the character. I mean, Jesus, you guys had enough of a problem with a brother and a sister getting married on Halloween. I don't... I don't know what to do with you anymore. Weirdly, we're not into pedophilia and incest. Go figure. Like, fuck us, apparently. What do you have against family-friendly entertainment? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's too friendly. There's a little too friendly. Yeah, agreed. The family that plays together stays together. Uh, uh, I mean, bleh. 
so Tim Ellis is like, he's looking outside. He's like, you know, there's a fucking polar bear down there directing traffic. Like, look at all this whimsy that we don't have the budget to show you. You know, I, I see it, but I just can't believe it. More religious movie arguments. Oh, yes, because Judy says he's missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And that is when my atheist soul vomited. <laughs> That's when Elder Price just started belting it out for butt fucking naked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, general butt fucking naked. I believe. <laughs> Judy leaves and Tim Allen gets into bed with Charlie and they kind of have this like, you know, touching bonding moment. And by the way, it's very important to point out that Tim Allen has his red PJs on. Because it's been very suggestive up until now. <laughs> he has his pants on. Yes, it's not, he's no longer in his boxers. He's in the PJs provided by Judy. So we faded to Tim Allen's bedroom where he gets woken up by Charlie, who's very excited for presents. I don't know about you guys, but I was not allowed to fucking do this. My parents are like, when we wake up, you can open presents. <laughs> you do not fucking wake us up on Christmas morning. Yeah, very much the same. We were, however, allowed to open one on Christmas Eve before going to bed. And so we kind of get up and maybe play with that. And of course, you got to like sneak down and look, you know, at all the presents. But no, you did not run around making noise and waking him up because it's presents time. You fucking wait for presents time to happen. Yeah. So uh, Tim Allen, he tells Charlie to go make him some coffee. So Charlie leaves the room. Okay, Charlie, well-trained in the art of making dad coffee, but we need to double check about contacting emergency services. (laughs) (laughs) Tim Allen gets out of bed and, oh shit, he's still still wearing the red pajamas with the SC embroidered on it. And so he's like, what the fuck? He rushes outside. He investigates the place where Santa died. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a fat naked guy in the snow? (laughs) (laughs) The movie took an odd turn. He then had to run from the police. And it was, (laughs) you'll never take me alive, copper. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just keeps talking like this now, say. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get twirling my mustache hairs as I tie this dame to a railroad track. Yeah, the music starts. (laughs) (laughs) Just lone piano going nuts. So he looks out of the roof as if expecting reindeer to be up there. And it's like, dude, it's the middle of the day. Dude, you got to check. Fine. So he goes into the living room where Charlie's opening presents. And like, he's like really panicked. And Charlie's like, hey, dad, are you having a heart attack? Because I know CPR and Charlie, buddy, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but I doubt you have the upper body strength to give a grown man chest compressions. I just I don't want to break your heart when your dad dies on your watch. I think he just wants to make out with his dad. I think he wants to put his dad's mind at ease so that he'll die and Charlie's plan can go into effect. There is a long con going. <laughs> so Tim Allen's like, yeah, what the fuck is this SC on my PJs? And he's like, dad, it's Santa Claus. As he very sensually like rubs his finger over the SC on his dad's pajamas. And someday it will be mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the one who wears the jammies. <laughs> oh my God. So Laura arrives to pick up Charlie and he's like, hey, Tim Allen, where'd you get those pajamas? And Charlie's like spilling the whole thing. He's like, yeah, Judy gave them. Uh, who's Judy? Yeah, she lives at the North Pole. We were there. Like we delivered all the fucking presents last night. Dead Santa Claus now, by the way. And Laura's like, hey, Charlie, go to the car. Me and, me and dad have to have a talk. Hey, Tim Allen, what the fuck? 
is this? Oh no, I just I just told him about a crazy dream I had. He's he's taken this dream I told him about way too seriously. I don't understand how child telling an imaginative story is cause for concern. Me neither. And it gets blown so out of proportion for the rest of this movie. Because they need stakes. That's the only reason for it. To the movie's credit, Charlie does not let this go. But here at the beginning, in this instance, I don't get why she's like, Tim Allen, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So the action moves outside to the car where Neil is, and Charlie's retelling the story. Neil's like, hey, kid, we'll, we'll talk about this at home. This is fucking crazy. Tim Allen's like, oh, wait, God, no, Charlie, Judy was the waitress at Denny's. That's what's going on here. And then Laura's like, I'm sorry, a waitress at Denny's gave you PJs? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're remarried, so if he's seeing someone named Judy, that shouldn't be an issue. None of your business. But the fact that you're getting your PJs at Denny's, that is cause for concern. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be getting your food at Denny's, <laughs> let alone <your> <laughs> So anyways, yeah, they start driving away. And it's like, I don't even wear pajamas normally. I usually sleep naked, buck naked. Yeah, my note to this is me too, Tim Allen. Pajamas are for lazy Sundays and Puritans. Anyone who sleeps in them is just afraid of their body. I really want a pair of cozy jammies. I'm not going to lie. I love jammies, just not at night. Lazy Sundays, or if you're a Puritan. Maybe I'm secretly a Puritan. Maybe you are. Whether you want silky or cozy or warm or whatever, just make that the bed sheets. Por que no los dos? Because then the jammies get in the way. Well, they still feel it on your hands. Anyways, uh, we're moving on. We're going to cut to the joys of a firefighter telling a classroom full of students about the horrors of third degree burns. And I kind of want to know the rest of the story. I mean, we get an idea of it. I want to hear him tell it, though. What I actually wanted to have happen is because his last line is, remember, kids, there's nothing worse than third degree burns. I wanted the kids to stick their hands up with suggestions. <laughs> Dental torture, like the guy in the Marathon Man with the poking in the teeth. Yeah, like, or anything that happened during the Inquisition. I just watched Predator. Are third degree burns worse than being skinned? Come on, firefighter. You're really not using your imagination here. <laughs> it sounds like the kids need a demonstration. <laughs> oh yeah bring the cia guy in to, to do that right now get the other parents involved <laughs> let's do this but yeah i need to hear the rest of this fireman's horror story because after he finishes about the third degree burns the teacher's like very awkwardly well thank you for that and we're sorry about your partner <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah right so Charlie wants to bring up his dad first instead of Neil. And Neil's like, well, if that's what you want, Charlie. Neil is a good guy. He's a good guy. This movie gives him way too much shit. It's that character trope of the stepdad. And he's he's great. There's nothing wrong with him. Pierce Brosnan and Mrs. Doubtfire. Carrie Ellis in Liar Liar. It's an ongoing thing. Sure, they're... Well, not Pierce Brosnan. There's, there's no way that man can be dull. But... <laughs> We're supposed to hate these guys or find them terrible or something, and they're always great and supportive, and they love the kids. I don't get this cliche. It's like, nice sweater, burn? Mm. It's a questionable sweater. Did you take a look at the other parents around the room? There is one astronaut and one ballerina. <laughs> I know! <laughs> I was like, God, an astronaut suit, like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
So Tim Allen is very clearly under the impression that Charlie is going to talk about him working at a toy company, but Charlie just goes into, by the way, my dad's Santa Claus, we went to the North Pole, like, with all sincerity. And the kids laugh at him. Rightly so, because all these kids are old enough to no longer believe in Santa. So Charlie's the weird kid in class. But some of these kids, like, start asking, like, sincere questions about Santa Claus, like, which is your favorite reindeer? Like, not even snarky, it's like, which one, literally? And Tim Allen's like, no, 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 no. I'm like Santa, I work for a toy company, we sell them to lots of people. And I only work one day a year. But But Charlie's like, no, it's true, and he pulls out Bernard's snow globe as proof. Because that's evidence? (laughs) Yeah, the North Pole isn't real, why do I have a snow globe? Checkmate. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have the worst taste in toys, Charlie? Yeah. At some point, one of the girls like, do you make the toys? This bully kid's like, no, the elves make the toys, stupid. And the teacher's like, no, no, they're not elves. They're little people. And that's when Peter Dinklage jumps up on the desk and goes, call me an elf one more time. <laughs> one more time. And then this kid, oh my God, he becomes my he becomes my favorite person in this whole movie. So he's like, hey, Tim Allen, uh, so if I want your job, I just got to push you off a roof, right? Like, that's how I become Santa Claus? This movie takes a really odd turn. Suddenly, it, it's about Tim Allen trying to not get murdered by a mass of children. By a mass of children that want to be Santa Claus, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they leave it. Cut to the principal talking about how Charlie's the one with the problem. <laughs> They're making such a big deal out of this. It's so stupid. Someone calls social services. A kid thinks his dad is Santa Claus. Yes. Oh, no. This child has an imagination. And then we get another joke about psychiatrists not being doctors. He's like, look, I'm, I'm a doctor, so I'm, let me go first. He's a psychiatrist. And Principal's like, yes, Dr. Miller, go ahead. Tim Allen, shut the fuck up. Psychiatrists are doctors. Oh, my God. This is a level of sarcasm I aspire to. Oh, the what did you do? Yes. This is fantastic. Yes, Neil asked Tim Allen what he did on Christmas, and his answer is, we ate sugar, did shots of brown liquor, cleaned my shotgun, field-dressed a cat, and chased women. <laughs> oh. I read him a story. What the hell do you think goes on at my house at Christmas Eve, people? Come on. That sums up my last Christmas. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And I was very jealous that you didn't invite me. I had a cat and everything. (laughs) Yeah, but you get mad when we skin them. That's why you're not invited. (laughs) Look, I found a cat that was a douchebag, and I was okay skinning it. So you found a cat. I walked into that. Yeah, yeah, you did. (laughs) So the principal tells Tim Allen, like, look, you need to explain to Charlie that you're not Santa Claus. This is the plot of the movie. So now we're at a zoo and Tim Allen is telling Charlie by the polar bear tank that, look, I'm not Santa Claus. It was just a dream. And Charlie's like, nope, you're in denial. Here's the snow globe. Remember the snow globe? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Again, I have proof. There's a snow globe. <laughs> and Tim Allen's like, that is a toy and they suck and no one buys them and that's why we don't make them anymore. <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. As they're walking through, I guess, another part of the zoo, Charlie looks back and he starts laughing because there's a fucking like, line of reindeer following them. They apparently escaped their pen because there's a guy chasing them. <laughs> like his arms waving like, no, come back. <laughs> so they did have actual reindeer budget. Hmm. 
Anyways, these past few scenes have inspired me to go find some kids to disappoint. So we're going to go take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to watch Tim Allen get real fat. That's what we're going to be doing. All right, class, settle down now. Take your seats. Take your seats. All right. As you know, now it's time we're going to do career day. And all your parents are going to come up and tell the rest of the class what they do for work. Let's welcome our first parent. This is Timmy's dad, and he is a firefighter. So um, last week, my partner and I responded to a raging fire in a high rise in downtown. When we got on the scene, there were already the charred remains of the civilians who perished in the flame. Um, yeah, I, sir, I, this is for kids. Maybe we can talk about stuff like the Dalmatian or driving the truck, you know, sound of We put on our silence. breathing equipment and we went inside. Okay. The air was thick with smoke and death. And we tried to find survivors, but there was just dead body after dead body. We thought we heard someone on the floor above and we went to investigate, but as we went up the staircase, a flaming part of the building collapsed on my partner. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming, sir. We can... No, no. I can do this. The flaming wreckage tore through his protective suit and his whole torso burst into flames. My fire extinguisher jammed and I desperately tried to put out the flame with my gloved hands, but his skin just sloughed off and he howled in agony. He begged me to kill him and put him out of his misery and looking back on it, God damn it, I should have, but I couldn't. He was the best man at my wedding. <laughs> Teacher, I, I don't like this story. Well, you know what, young man? You know what I don't like? The fact that I had to see the hunk of burned flesh that is my partner lying in his hospital bed having skin graft after skin graft fail and him cursing my name for not letting him die in that inferno. Teacher, please make it stop. Yes, sir. I'm going to have to insist we draw this to a close. So remember, kids, only become a firefighter if you are willing to see your best friend become a charred shadow of his former self. Thank you. Um, y yes, okay, thank you for that, sir. Um, now, uh, Charlie, let's, let's bring your dad up. Everyone, Charlie and his dad. So my dad is Santa Claus. Fuck you, no he's not. Seriously, you're gonna make a joke after a story like that? You're heartless, Charlie, heartless. You're seriously the worst, Charlie. Get out of my classroom. Aw, I have a snow globe. I met elves. We don't call them that. Stop trying to own the libs in class, Charlie. <laughs> yes! Yes! There is no owning of the libs in class, Charlie. You know that. And we're back. We're at Neil and Laura's house, and uh, we have our eardrums graded by the chipmunks singing Santa Claus is coming to town. Laura hears Charlie making a rawhide reference, which all of us 90s kids were definitely doing. She goes into his room and sees him pretending to be Santa Claus. He's got like chairs as the reindeer. He's kind of like got his toy box as a sleigh. He's just having a fun time, you know, and this is apparently very concerning. Fuck off. This is adorable. Yeah, seriously, there is nothing wrong with this. Kid playing and using his imagination, fuck off. 
yeah, that is something we were actually doing in the 90s. He's got, yeah, he's got sticks tied to chairs, you know, for antlers on the reindeer, which also means that he is ready to fend off witches. Yes, as we know. There is a lack of leaves on these twigs, though, so I'm not sure how effective they're going to be. Another chapter for John's parenting book, actually. A good one. (laughs) Yeah, Tim (laughs) Allen arrives to pick up Charlie. Uh, Inside, Neil is asking Charlie, like, legitimate skeptical questions about how Santa Claus does the Santa Claus thing. He's like, hey, you know. He's priming Charlie for his career in apologetics, yes. Yes, he's like, hey, how does one guy get around the world in a single night? And he's like, well, it's got to be a warp in the time-space continuum or something like that. He's like, how do you get down the chimney? He's like, it actually just kind of sucks you down, and then a fireplace appears. And he's like, okay, okay, have you seen a reindeer fly? And he's like, yep. (laughs) And he's like, well, I haven't. Best argument ever. Yep. This is how I got Nick to be a reborn Christian. It's just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So what you're saying is that his dick is out there somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, the time to believe in something is when there's good evidence that it exists, all right? There isn't a magical fucking sky unicorn, okay? Or you go ahead and believe in it, because then that is seeing. I guarantee you, if Nick had a kid, I guarantee you, if he found his daughter believing in a giant unicorn in the sky, I don't think he would attempt to crush it with logic. Uh, no, I'd ask a lot of very skeptical questions to kind of poke holes in her her belief system and make her doubt it. Um, and then I'd introduce her to John. <laughs> <laughs> and I live for crushing those spirits. <laughs> yeah, so Tim Allen comes in, tells Charlie, like, get ready, because they're going to go in for a walk. And Neil and Laura are like, hey, Tim Allen, uh, we're not so sure that you spending time with Charlie is the best thing for him. Fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. Tim Allen's not being like an enabler to Charlie. He keeps telling him no. Yeah. And his response is, hey, Neil, you got bigger things to worry about, like where you're going to get your sweaters when the circus leaves town, because more sweater jokes. Womp, womp. It's not funny. Yeah, I mean, the sweaters aren't great, but the jokes are worse. Yes, that's, I like how you put that. Thank you. So out on the walk, uh, Tim Allen is with Charlie, and he's like, hey, buddy, He's about to tell him that there's no Santa Claus, but he doesn't want to disappoint him. You want five bucks? Yeah, he's like, hey, yeah, I'll give you five bucks to shut the fuck up about this. How about that? <laughs> now that's directly from John's book. It's <laughs> five bucks. Shut up. And the kid's like, this is 94 money. I could literally buy anything I wanted at this point in time. <laughs> Charlie will not hold up his end of the deal. We will see. Yeah, fuck no. Tim Allen needs to be back, and he's like, you owe me four ninety eight. This lasted an afternoon. <laughs> so uh, cut to Tim Allen waking up in his bed and having a nice, loud morning fart. Goes to the bathroom and see that, oh shit, he's like grown a full-ass beard overnight and is starting to gray, and he's got a big fucking gut. And he's been cursed with diabetes, too. He's got the beatus. Yeah, he had one of Ernie's specials, and this is what happened. (laughs) Ernie's specials. (laughs) He does not have the beatus. He may have had one of Ernie's beatus specials, but he doesn't have the beatus. Papa Brimley's not going to show up to shout out and beat his goddamn oatmeal, all right? (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, okay, there's clearly something wrong with this mirror. I'm going to go check out the scale. The scale goes up to 192, and he's like, well, this scale is clearly broken. The scale is clearly broken because it shoots up to the low 190s, pauses, and then begins increasing again. 
Yeah, it's like catches its breath and then keeps going. <laughs> like, ah. Scales don't work like that. Like, fuck, I'll weigh you more. God. I think I got five more pounds at the back. Hang on. <laughs> but also, I, I'm sorry. How tall is Tim Allen? He is 5'10". Okay, yeah. That is not what 192 looks like on a 5'10", man. <laughs> I'm just wondering why you know the exact height of Tim Allen. <laughs> so, yeah. On hand. I was curious for this very scene. I'm like, 192, is that he- is that heavy for Tim Allen's actual height? I really wanted to know too, but I didn't get around to it because it took so fucking long with no Baywatch connections that I didn't have time to look up anything else. <laughs> Don't worry, I got your back, John. Thank you. And also, I wanted to know how tall Peter Boyle was because he looks tiny on Everybody Loves Raymond, but he looks fucking tall in this movie. I'll double check. I think he's, you know, fairly tall. I'm trying to think of other stuff I've seen him in, but those were big, thick Frankenstein boots. Peter Boyle is 6'2", or was, sorry. Yes, Peter Boyle was 6'2", and he looked so tiny, and I think the reason for it is because Ray Romano is also like 6'2", but Brad Garrett's a fucking giant person. Brad Garrett is a giant, and I, from what I can remember, Peter Boyle never stood. He was always in that chair. Yeah, he was sitting down a lot. So yeah, so when I saw like how tall he was in this movie, I was like, is this the same dude? So Tim Allen is late for work. Speaking of Peter Boyle, we're, we're just about to see him. He's wearing a sweatsuit because with his newfound gut, he can't fit into any of his other clothes. Uh, and he's arrived just in time for lunch. They have their own catering staff in the office. Like a waiter is taking their order. Was this a thing? Well, I mean, come on. When you are the Midwest sales division that's keeping this entire corporation afloat, you think you got time to take breaks for meetings? No, no. <laughs> Who else is going to pay for everyone else having affairs? Also that. And because this is the 90s, everyone is like just feels empowered to say, holy fuck, you got fat. I was prepped for this one, too, because I knew the whole thing of fat shaming was going to come up. But in this circumstance... I approve. And why would you approve? What is your what is your rationale? Well, as he notes in a bit when he's at the doctor, he gained over 40 pounds in a week. Yep. A serious health issue. So he starts off lying about shit, about how it's a reaction to a bee sting, and then sits there and orders the entire dessert section of the menu. And people are like, bee sting bullshit, Scott. Come on. And then... Peter Boyle takes him outside and, yeah, gives him, you know, a bit of a rough talk of, hey, you're looking terrible, you know, but it's also a place of I'm worried about you. Get some help, whatever that winds up being, whether you need a dietitian, you need to shrink, you need a whatever. Go get that help. Yeah, go get some help. This isn't someone who's always been kind of overweight and he walked in like because he forgot to iron his shirt or something. This is a dude who, again, we're not sure how much time has passed. But we'll say a few weeks ago was like 60 pounds lighter. Yeah, not enough time to put on this sort of weight. Yeah. And by the way, I, I love it because they get they get they get their food and everyone is just waiting on him to finish while the Jeopardy <laughs> thing plays. Yeah, that's good. And then he gets offended by the the toy presentation. Santa in a tank presentation. It's great. Fuck yeah, Santa in a tank. This is Nick's Christmas trees. You know, sugar plums out the window. No, it's Santa rolling a panzer down a neighborhood. I love it. Fuck yes. Lock and load, Kringle. <laughs> this is the total tank. And uh, apparently, yeah, uh, Tim Allen does not like how the elves are portrayed. They look like gnomes. 
Yeah, they look like gnomes. And just like the fact that Santa's eating tanks, like, no, Santa wouldn't do that. And also the total tank has 10,000 parts. It's going to break. And like, we should be making simple, inexpensive toys that nurture a child's creativity. And I think I speak on behalf of my 90s child self when I say, go fuck yourself, Tim Allen. I want a goddamn total tank. I want one. Anyways, based off of Peter Boyle's advice, uh, Tim Allen goes to the doctor where he's very fat and very bearded and very gray and he's running on a treadmill. Doctor comes and turns it off. He's like, let's take a look at that pulse and blood pressure. And despite being ginormous, he's like, well, you're as healthy as a horse. And he's like, yeah, a fucking Clydesdale while shaking his belly. By the way, it must be said, excellent fat prosthetics. Right? Oh, very true. Considering the pull some of the other special effects are. Yeah, this is amazing. Chris Hemsworth didn't even wear anything this good. Yeah, he's like, what have you been eating? He's like, mostly milk and cookies. Like, well, then no shit, you're fat. Like, God, stop doing that. Yeah, cut out the sweets, man. And then he's like, hey, how fast does facial hair grow? Like, I literally shave in the morning and I have this beard by the afternoon. He's like, I don't know, hormone imbalance. He's also like, yeah, also, I completely turned gray. And he's like, yeah, buddy, that's middle age. Scott Calvin is 38. <laughs> and there has to have been a weird cut. There had to have been some lines that were cut here. Well, it makes you think that. Well, because he asks about mood swings. And when the doctor asks what he means, that's when you get the gray hair. I think that would tie into the objecting to Santa in the tank. You know, he's starting to be more Christmas spirity about everything and having these things that are just... It's not really his normal personality. And we miss that whole thing. I mean, he still retains some of the Scott Calvin snark, you know, especially with Neil. But they don't deal with people's reaction of how he is changing as a person as the curse takes more and more hold of him. Yeah, I guess they cut it for time. So cursed with hair, cursed with belly. I mean, it's really mounting up at this point. He's cursed with Christmas. He's cursed with Christmas. This is a Christmas curse. Cut to Tim Allen watching Charlie at his co-ed soccer game. Thank you, movie, for an accurate depiction of children playing soccer. (laughs) Yeah, they're just running around like a bunch of morons. It's great. Just everyone is chasing the ball at all times. Ball, 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 ball. Mine, mine, (laughs) mine. And Tim Allen has made the mistake of wearing a red sweatshirt. I almost picture this bench scene like the jungle gym scene and the bench scene in The Birds, like a horror sequence. (laughs) It is kind of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where you just, it pans away and you cut back and he's surrounded by children. (laughs) Yeah, because this little girl asks him for a pair of ballet slippers. And then when Laura and Neil arrive, there's just a fucking line of these little shits. And like they're sitting on his lap. Now this is something that's concerning that Tim Allen's character is doing. Um, In that he gave into it. Because he does start off like, this kid's walking up to me, I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to turn away, I'm not, all right, fine, what do you want? Okay, you want a dolly, great, fuck off. And yeah, kids start being drawn to this old fat man on a bench. And sit in his lap, it's, yeah. And so, he's like, look, guys, it's not what this looks like, they just lined up on their own. Yeah, but again, you still allowed them. Yeah, you went along with it. (laughs) And kids... Don't sit on strangers' laps in the park. It's just a very bad idea. Yes, there's a time and a place for everything, and it's called the club. No, it's called the free candy van. (laughs) Especially if that candy van is driven by Hitler. (laughs) Oh, in a small English village, yes. (laughs) Head off Hitler's mobile sweet (laughs) show. 
sponsored by Santa Claus on a panzer. <laughs> oh my God, it is all connected. Panzer Claus. <laughs> Dear listener, somebody please draw us Panzer Claus. Really needs to do that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're really worried that Tim Allen is taking this whole Santa Claus thing to an unhealthy level, so much so that Neil gives Tim Allen his card and says, call me, like make an appointment to see me as a psychiatrist. And look, I'm not a medical ethicist, but I'm pretty sure treating your wife's ex-husband who hates your guts is a conflict of interest. I, You know what I think this is? I think there's some fine print in this, uh, in this card that he's giving him. That is going to impose another curse on him. Oh, God. What does psychiatrist binding legal business card contracts say? <laughs> you turn into Sigmund Freud. Put on this brown suit and smoke this cigar. <laughs> Put this cigar in your mouth. The id will know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> we need whistle. <laughs> uh, so despite Tim Allen being like, hey, look, I'll leave, okay? If you're uncomfortable, I'm just going to leave. And they're like, no, we're going to take Charlie out of his soccer game. And they're literally standing in the middle of the fucking field. And the ref isn't like, get the fuck off the field, Laura. I mean, these parents are terrible. I I mean, no wonder the kid wants to kill his actual dad. (laughs) But he loves his dad now because his dad is Santa Claus. Like, there's definitely a conditional love going on. He loves the idea of being Santa Claus, not his actual dad. Yeah, exactly. And now that Dad is becoming Santa Claus, he knows it's going to work, and his plan is just its just getting fine-tuned. It's all falling into place. Exactly. See, Nick? Jules gets it. Come on. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> so back at Tim Allen's house, a delivery guy rings the doorbell. Uh, Tim Allen comes with his face covered in shaving cream. Hey, are you SC? And he's like, Scott Calvin, that's me. Nobody else has these initials. Let me sign right here. No one delivers a package and just makes sure that you has the same initials. That's not a thing. Nope. So he's like, look, uh, I'm going to let you, a stranger, just bring whatever you need to bring into my house. I'm going to leave the door open for you, and I'm going to go finish shaving. So comes back down. He's clean shaven. And in the hallway is just a fuck ton of red boxes. Now, I don't get why he doesn't run out immediately with these shit tons of boxes. Because he's just in absolute shock as to what the fuck is in his house. And also, on top of one of the boxes is a wax-sealed envelope. He opens it up and it says, here's the list, check it twice, B. Uh, Apparently, Bernard doesn't like to spell out his entire name. This is all in code. He's got shit to do. Bernard doesn't have that kind of time. Right. And so then he opens up one of the boxes and he's like, all these A names, including an Arabic one, which he finds very strange. I was just highly disappointed that it didn't start with Aaron A. Aronson. (laughs) So that's when he runs out. He's like, yo, guys, get this shit out of my house. And they're like, don't, we're driving away. Fuck off. (laughs) They're just like, we finally got these fuckers unloaded. Get get out. Go, 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 go. This took all morning to prep. We're not taking it back. (laughs) So, hey, guys, you know where's a great place to have, like, a hot drink in the middle of the night? Wherever the fuck you want. Yeah, but, like, why would you, like, she's just, like, we were at Laura's house. She's outside. She's having a hot drink, like, worrying about shit. Neil joins her, and she's like, you know, I knew that Tim Allen was up to something with this whole Santa Claus shit. And Neil's like, look, there might be an alternative. What is that alternative? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see. 
because that's the end of that scene. <laughs> Wait, so what was your problem with the location of the beverage? It's weird. Like, you have a whole house. Like, I don't know, man. It's not even, like, in a nice place. He's like, it's, like, right on the sidewalk. Well, she wanted to sulk away from Judge Reinhold, but he just wouldn't let that shit fly. No, he's a psychiatrist. He just smells <laughs> angst. <gasps> That's part of his curse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So cut to Tim Allen walking down the street. He's in very like Christmassy sweater, a very Christmassy sweater, and he's meeting out righteous judgment to strange children as he walks past. <laughs> it's like Merry you. Christmas. Yep, you're not. This one's naughty. This one's nice. Jimmy's naughty. And Veronica is very nice. Yeah, Veronica's very nice. She, she's a hot adult. Uh, so it's nice to see that he's, you know, leering at people his own age. And he's like, in your dreams, sleigh boy. Which is coincidentally what he keeps telling his son. <laughs> Hey-oh! Hey-oh! Uh, so back at his house. Wait, hold on. So now... Tim Allen is aware of Charlie's plan to murder him? Man, this web just got even more tangled. I am here for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we are in Charlie Day conspiracy meme territory. See? Even the name's connected. <laughs> Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is Charlie from Santa Santa Claus. <laughs> So back at his house, Tim Allen has dyed his hair and he shaved off his beard. And he's like, all right, this is, this is an improvement, except it all grows back. I love how he thinks this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. His reaction's great as the beard and the gray, the white hair come back. He's like, I'm in big trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're now at a courthouse uh, because Laura and Neil are trying to get Tim Allen's visitation taken away. Uh, they let Charlie go off in the judge's office with the judge by himself. Are courthouses normally high rises? Because don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm loving the fuck out of this blue screen window that they're using. But they are clearly based on that in a skyscraper. It depends. Some, some are nicer than others, obviously. Yeah, this is def. I mean, these are the offices. It's not necessarily the courtroom. Okay, all right, sure. More of like a law office type place where the judge would have it. Sure. Well, anyways, Charlie goes into this judge's office alone, which seems a little weird, but okay. Yeah, we're going to have a young child give testimony without a legal guardian of any sort present? Okay. We've already established that these two parents make terrible decisions, so it makes sense. This is true. But out in the hallway, Laura is having doubts whether or not they're doing the right thing, you know, vis-a-vis getting the visitation taken away. And they both, her and Neil start talking about why they stopped believing in Santa. And this is the most spoiled brat reason to not believe in Santa. Because I didn't get the toy I wanted. Yes. She didn't get her mystery date game and he didn't get his Oscar Mayer weenie whistle. (laughs) That he wanted at the age of three, and so that's when he became a boring dolt. Mm-hmm. But I just love the line, Christmas came, no weenie whistle. My note to that was, and that's why she didn't come at Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> but here's the thing. They're so boring. Like, they both grew up in the era of an atomic energy playset. Aim higher, is what I'm saying. So Tim Allen arrives just as Charlie's leaving the judge's office and Charlie's like, don't worry, I explained everything about the North Pole. 
<laughs> and Tim Allen's like, give me my $5 back, you little shit. Exactly, <laughs> you little shit. You fucking broke our deal. And so they're in the judge's office, and the judge is like, yeah, so uh, Tim Allen, you've lost custody. On what grounds? There's no grounds for this. I'm sorry. Uh, your child has an imagination, and we can't stand that. Uh, hold up. Judges know the law, and it is their job to make sure that they're enforced the proper way. Clearly, this judge is aware of what kind of shit Tim Allen has gotten himself into, and it is not in Charlie's best interest to have a father who has to now live at the North Pole with elves. Uh, makes sense. He is aware of the business card curse. <laughs> he is he is the magical judge. It, it all makes sense now. He's, he's, he's holding back the magical lawyers. Exactly. He's like, no, no, I got this. We just got to separate him from his family. And then we can sequester him up with the immortal children with the pointy ears <laughs> who think that cocoa is a fucking hard, stiff drink. And <laughs> <laughs> you say it like that, it just sounds brilliant. <laughs> because it is. It is brilliant. Oh, man. So sad Tim Allen walks down the street sadly. And so he stops at Neil and Laura's house and sees them having, I guess, Thanksgiving dinner through the window. How to guarantee you never get to see your child again. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go knock on the door of the people who have actual custody of your child, barge in, trespass, and that will definitely work in your fucking favor. Oh, threaten to assault the homeowner. Don't forget that one. I can't believe I did forget that. Yeah. Divorce dad boundaries was a serious issue in 90s movies, I swear. Yeah. But it's cool because he's Santa. <laughs> and even Judge Reinhold is having enough of this shit. He's like, really? Santa? Santa's going to punch me? Is that really what's going to happen here? I have four inches on you at the very least. You're going to fucking start some shit, Tim Allen. You want to go? <laughs> Tim Allen's like, yeah, well, I got a foot and a half on you. Waistline, you bitch. <laughs> Just wanted him to do a little belly shove at that point. That's right, man. Yeah, belly slap is a bonus action if you play the Santa Claus class. <laughs> So Charlie shows up and there's a whole argument about whether or not Tim Allen is Santa Claus. And he's, you know, even Tim Allen doesn't really believe he's Santa Claus. And Charlie's like, no, dad, the snow globe. The goddamn snow globe again. Jesus Christ. But now Chekhov's snow globe actually goes off because he takes the snow globe and Tim Allen shakes it. And he sees the reindeer with Santa flying that Charlie saw earlier when he first got it. And now he believes so he asks Laura and Neil if he can have a moment alone with Charlie to properly say goodbye. And Judge Reynolds, like, like shaking his head at Laura, like, no, dude, this is fucking stupid. He literally is trespassing. We should be calling the cops. I mean, that's what his, his facial expression saying. Yeah. And I feel like when he walks off in a huff, that's what he goes to do. Yeah. But they do. And so Charlie really wants to go with him to the North Pole. And that's when Bernard, you know, appears at the dinner table, starts shitting on the turkey. Like, yeah, have you fuckers heard of basting? Like, Jesus is so dry. Well, at least you didn't try Tim Allen's cooking. Goddamn. Yeah, that's a little extra crispy. He's like, hey, Bernard, can I go to the North Pole? And he's like, yeah, it's fine by me. I apparently have, like, some sort of say in, like, where you can and can't go. <laughs> yes! Yes! Why the fuck does Bernard's opinion matter? <laughs> He called him sport, apparently. That's all you got to do. <laughs> so 
dad who recently lost custody, trespasses, threatens assault, and then disappears with the child. And then the in the next scene, the cops laugh about it. Nothing funnier than child abduction. Well, they're laughing about the whole, this dude thinks he's Santa thing. But it's still child abduction. And they know the kind of shit that gets involved with a lot of child abduction. Right, and you have to live with that every day, so you gotta make jokes, you gotta find a way to get through it, true, man. True, true. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that is a, true. A hard job. Uh, yeah, because the bleep sticks, yeah, he's not gonna be easy to find, and one of the cops like, I don't know, he's gonna be pretty visible with that uh, bright red suit. Cacklebossy. <laughs> So now we're going to get a lot of cuts between scenes. Like, so we're at the North Pole briefly, and Bernard introduces T.A. to Q. Sorry, I mean Quentin, who's been working on some sweet Santa tech. But he's been working on Santa tech with Charlie. So how long after Thanksgiving is this? I don't know, but also, has Charlie become an expert in electrical engineering because he's tinkering with the fucking circuit board in the front of the sleigh? I think they just rigged a thing up and they're like yeah here go work on that now sure he comes with ideas the elves actually you know make it happen and then he's just over here like yeah i'm helping at this point i just i just have a note saying elves with flamethrowers question mark pretty sure that was the pitch for this movie that's the spinoff that we deserve and needed this (laughs) trying time Absolutely. yeah because they're displaying this like flame retarded suit tim allen's like cool 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 but what if I fall off the fucking roof? Remember what happened to the last guy. Also, no protections for his hands or face. You don't need those. We already know the curse regrows hair and stuff. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. And so now the the cops are like going to surround Neil and Laura's house in case the kidnapper brings his victim back to the place where he kidnapped them. As kidnappers are frequently want to do, yes. As they are want to do. So cue a montage of a ZZ Top song about fucking. I know! I wrote that same thing! A ZZ Top sex song about getting your weenie whistle shaken. (laughs) I mean, why not? (laughs) And there was a perfect ZZ Top song for this sequence already that didn't involve fucking sharp dress man have a suit up sequence exactly a little too much fucking in my kids movie (laughs) so yeah we get this montage we get a cop arresting a guy dressed as santa who's not you know tim allen not even fat yeah not even fat he's like really scrawny yeah so clearly they're just arresting anyone in santa suits at this point yeah, they're just, you know, they're 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 racially profiling Santas. But again, we're not sure how much time has passed. But however long it's been, Charlie hasn't been home. He hasn't been at school. No one knows where he is. So I do kind of get that they're getting more desperate. Fair enough. Um also we see Neil sadly putting up Charlie's stocking on the mantle. He cares. Neil is a great guy. This movie unfairly villainizes Neil. Also, please explain what the fuck this like weird dancing thing they do in the hallway. Clearly the ZZ Top fuck song is diegetic cuz they <laughs> have a <laughs> corridor dance to it. But they're walking along and only do like four steps of it and go back to walking. It is bizarre. Uh guys, I just need to let you know that my uh, band Diegetic Fuck song is going to be playing so if you guys want to come after the record that would be that'd be great can we host it at the cat abattoir as long as you only pick asshole cats yes so cats got it i walked into it again (laughs) so comets also made tim allen a card somehow so they're cool fuck these reindeer ew 
No, not like in a ZZ Top way. <laughs> so, so Charlie and Tim Allen fly away in the new sleigh with uh, Ninja Turtles colored bucket seats. It's a sleigh 2000. It's the fastest model yet. <laughs> now we're at a police lineup. They've like rounded up a bunch of Santas. They've brought Laura in to check them out. And why is there a black Santa in here? Like they know that Tim Allen's white. Like I'd be <laughs> giga pissed if I was this black Santa. I mean, you have to ask why policemen are arresting more black people than they should. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> is that confusing to you? Isn't it more surprising that there's only one? Exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. So, shocker, Laura can't spot Tim Allen in this lineup. The way you said it made it sound like he was in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in the sleigh. Uh, Charlie's with Tim Allen. He's showing him the cool new features, including a DC-10 detector. It can only detect this one model of airplane. So if a 747's flying by, you are fucked, my dude. He has plans. <laughs> but he's in the sleigh with him right now. He's playing with fire here. He still has to keep up the pretense that he's on his dad's side. <laughs> Son, I, I kind of feel like there's a plane right in front of us. It says, no, check the DC detector. Nothing there. I, I, uh, I, no, this is my backpack, not a parachute. <laughs> just, just aim for the turbine. Aim for the turbine. <laughs> so, despite two way radios having been a thing for decades, only now does he have one and it's built into his hat so he can talk to Judy. Clearly, this was Charlie's idea. They didn't come up with the notion for, you know, flame retardant or fireproof undergarments, all these sort of things. Because again, the elves have been at this for a long time. They're pretty jaded. Something happens to this guy, there's going to be a new Santa. We just got to make sure the toys are here and they get out. They don't give a fuck about his well-being. <laughs> <laughs> also, the sleigh has a CD, a uh, compact disc. No, a cookie and cocoa dispenser. I'm just realizing something. Bernard, when he sees the new Santa, doesn't even shed a tear for the previous Santa, and neither does anyone else in the entirety of their world. No, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. No. Nope. Revealing. Revealing. You just got that? Like, they are just totally on board with this. Absolute new person with dark hair, no beard, and few hundred pounds light. Hey, what's going on? Who's in charge? You, dude. Yeah, do not give a flying fuck. Awful. Anyway, continue with the bullshit hot chocolate dispenser on the sleigh. Oh, no, the only bullshit is that it's misnamed. Everything about this is absolutely wonderful. Don't get me wrong, I like hot chocolate, but I've, uh, if, if young me found this bullshit, I'm going to side with young me. Why is this bullshit? I really want to know. It would instantly get cold. Um, yeah, but that's a good thing, dude. It cools off immediately. You can slurp it down. I mean, this movie doesn't really focus on it the way Santa Claus the movie did, but this is a torturous existence where you live an endless night until your task is completed. You're going to need that sugar. <laughs> Cocoa and cookie dispenser is a good thing. It should be called CCD instead, though. So sugar is the solution to mental health issues. All of life's problems, yes. Yes. I'm with John on this one. Pretty sure this is why America loves its diabetes. Yes, yes. Brimley will show up to tell you to eat your goddamn oatmeal, but, you know, you throw a little brown sugar on there and it helps it be more tasty. So, yeah, win-win. <laughs> <laughs> 
nonsense. Utter nonsense. <laughs> so Tim Allen's now in the house of the little girl that he was a dick to the previous year. Uh, he's leaving more unwrapped presents under the tree. Judy's allegedly, you know, dating somebody in wrapping, but I don't know if this department actually exists. Well, that's the problem. Judy keeps distracting him. Can't focus on the work. He's the one guy in the wrapping department and he just gets distracted by Judy. And so she wakes up and immediately comments on his weight, like, hey, you got fat. And he's like, yeah, thanks. Yes, I did. I'm I'm taking this seriously. That first night was a bit of a fluke, but I'm I'm locked in. By the way, your milk kind of tastes like shit. Yeah, it's soy milk. You know, you said last year you were lactose intolerant. Ah, uh, I did say that. And that's Ah, what a sweet kid. She remembered. Yep. So, well, they're fly he's flying up now with Charlie and apparently they're very close to Laura and Neil's neighborhood and he's got some presents that he's made for them so that he wants to stop by there. Uh however, it's a trap. <laughs> yes, it is a fucking trap because there's just like a whole fucking squad of cops in there. They shine their flashlights at Tim Allen as he's putting stuff under the tree. And he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Not weird that you're here. Merry Christmas. Yeah, seriously. He's like, oh, you got me. All right. Got some more presents to deliver, guys. Have a happy holidays. And they're like, here come with us, fat boy. He's like, oh, fat boy. And they take him but he drops his hat so there's no radio contact anymore see this is where context and inflection are key little girl can call him fat and it's a compliment but they used fat boy in a derogatory sense yeah they're bastards (laughs) total bastards so tim allen does not walk to the back of the cop car he is lifted by his arms on either side by two cops (laughs) Why are they lifting him up? I don't know. Well, also, how are they able to? Especially after all the fat comments, yeah. Yeah, my theory of magic of the suit and the bag and whatever is actually trying to levitate him away, and they're actually holding him down. (laughs) Sure. So anyways, uh, some kids are out there, and they sadly see Santa get put in the back of a cop car. And like, oh, no. Where were these cutaways when literally all the other Santas were being arrested and not, you know, Christmas Eve when all of these kids should be in bed? Pass. (laughs) I'll accept it. (laughs) So Neil, like, watches the cop cars drive away, and he's like, you know, I'm sure Charlie is safe, and my dude, he's on the roof. (laughs) Nothing bad ever happens to people on roofs, especially not in this movie. (laughs) No, it's the safest place you could be to survive the Santa Claus movie. (laughs) (laughs) And Charlie isn't like, hey, little help. Nope. He's just like, I'm going to hang on the roof for the time being. I mean, you can't abandon the reindeer like that. There's no reindeer on the roof. They fuck off. Oh, that's right. They do. They just fuck off. They're like, well, Santa's been arrested. I guess uh, we don't, we're off for the rest of the night. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, they need to follow him because clearly something's going to go down and he'll probably die and they need to be there to pick up the new Santa. <laughs> oh, man. Charlie's plan is starting to fall apart. He got left on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad's going to get the electric chair, so um, so it'll be the executioner who becomes the next Santa Claus, right? Mm, they'll probably remove the suit, so it's really anyone's guess as to who's going to put it on next, to be honest. Yeah, we could definitely take bets on that. But yeah, he's definitely getting executed for his crimes. 
Because this is a family-friendly holiday movie, and you can't have manslaughter without laughter. Oh, wait, no, it's an execution. Shit. It's just regular slaughter. Government-enforced slaughter. Still, can't have slaughter without laughter. So back at the North Pole, Judy tells Bernard and Quentin that Santa was at Laura Neal's house, and now he isn't responding, so now they're going to deploy Elf Team 6. Uh, I mean, Elfs. E-L-F-S. God, that is so lazy. Especially since Bernard could just teleport there. But for some reason, we need uh, weird hovered jetpack elves, and they float very slowly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a rule that jetpacks pretty much improve every situation, but this, this has proven that that rule does not have legs. Yes, especially when the people using them are the Effective Liberating Flight Squad. That is what ELFS stands for. I mean, I think it's nice to know that Santa Claus has a commando team to deal with any sort of military issues that they come across whilst delivering presents. I don't think Santa knows about this. It's like, this is above Santa Claus. Any given year, this guy could die and we're going to get a new one. We got to keep the ELFS, you know, on the on the hush-hush. <laughs> I'm just curious what their previous missions involved, you know? Oh, me too. Well, anyways, they, they fly out and some of them do somersaults for reasons. Tim Allen is in a police interrogation room with the police chief. I don't know whether this is the police chief's kink or whatever the fuck's going on here, but he really wants Tim Allen to say his name is Scott Calvin. He's like, what's your name? Santa Claus. And he says it in a bunch of different languages. He's like, all right, fuck it. You're going to go into the jail cell for a while until you cut the crap. So the uh, elf assault team, their first port of call is to get Charlie off the roof. That's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. And because, you know, they're like, hey, we're the good guys. We're going to get you out of here. That's exactly what the bad guys would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just to make sure the kids at home who are watching this movie don't try jumping off roofs in case they think they're magical elves, uh, he says, don't do this with elf supervision. <laughs> oh, I, I wrote fuck off when I heard that line. Yeah. 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 I didn't even have the energy to actually write it down. I did scream it every time I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is definitely Disney covering its ass in terms of liability. And as they fly away, they make. The cop that's still watching the house spill his coffee on himself because humor. We didn't see or hear it, but Maverick actually buzzed the tower at that point. <laughs> oh man, someone is getting some butts. I want elf butts. My office. No butts. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to the desk sergeant at the police station reading a romance novel and eating a donut because cop. Yes, because cop. <laughs> He looks over at the desk and he sees Charlie and the elves and he's like, hey guys, no, visiting hours over, get out of here. But then he recognizes Charlie and he's like, hey, you're the Calvin kid. Yeah, you're the kid we've been trying to find for the past month. Yeah. And he's like, wait, but who are the rest of you? The, the elf leader says, we're your worst nightmare. Elves with attitude. And my note here is go, go, Elven Rangers. This was the point at which the movie took a weird turn. They teleported to Zordon's chamber. And Fred Durst kept telling them to keep morphin, morphin, morphin. <laughs> yeah, they busted Santa Claus out with Megazord. It got crazy. All the cops suddenly had a headache but couldn't speak properly. <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. Never enough aspirin. So. 
to immobilize the the cop who reads romance novels, they pee ribbon on him <laughs> and spin him around on his spinny chair. This sped up footage is my everything. Oh it's my god! Just, it's not even disguised. But it's important to know that the charges are increasing. It's not just um, Santa Claus who's got all the charges now. It's the elf accomplices who have now um, assaulted and restrained a police officer. Yeah, they've got at least three stars of notoriety on GTA at this point. (laughs) Wasted. (laughs) So they bust Santa out by slicing through his hinges with magical tinsel. And then as they're leaving, the guy at the cell next door is like, hey, can you give me some of that tinsel? So back at Neil and Laura's house, uh, they're in the kitchen. Charlie and Tim Allen walk through the front door, and Laura and Neil are very relieved to see him. Tim Allen's about to leave, but Charlie wants to go with him. But Tim Allen tells him that he needs to stay with Laura and Neil. Like, he can't be selfish. He needs Charlie to stay there because they're they're all a family. And, you know, even Neil. Yeah, pin in this conversation. Yeah. And by the way, even though, like, Tim Allen has had a character arc, like, this is genuine from the heart. He's doing this because he's, like, learned a lesson about not being selfish. He still chokes on Neil's name as he's saying it in this moment. He can't fucking. <laughs> and I, I like that. He wasn't complete douchebag workaholic father at the beginning, but he is not good at being a dad. And he hasn't come around to just full-time, awesome, jolly, super happy with everyone Santa. He's still a bit Scott Calvin in there. I like it. Uh, so th- Charlie realizes, you know, he's crying now that, like, you know, he can't be selfish either because, you know, the all the other kids around the world need Tim Allen to do Christmas for them. Tim Allen's like, no, you're the least selfish person I know because you're the one who believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And it's because of you that I became Santa. And it's like, yeah, because he fucking guilt tripped you into the suit. (laughs) It really is Charlie's fault. Yeah. So in this emotional moment, Laura realizes that Tim Allen is, in fact, Santa Claus. Why? You know what proves to me that uh, he is Santa? It's the fact that he went further with his delusion and abducted my child. That that would 100% change my mind. And even Neil buys it for a hot second. Oh, fuck off, Neil does not buy this shit. For like the hottest of seconds. Or well, he tries to, and then Bernard completely blows his fucking mind. Yeah, by like appearing out of nowhere. This movie forces Neil to believe it. But Meniel would never believe it. No, he stops believing. Like, he believes for a hot second, and then he goes back to not believing it anymore. He actually does what Tim Allen threatened to do at the North Pole. What happens if I choose to not believe this? And we now see with Neil, you have a psychotic break. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's just so much trust built here, because, you know, when you're... um... When your ex-husband's accomplices start breaking into your house, you know, just the belief solidifies. Yeah, Laura comes in with the custody papers and throws them in the fireplace. She's like, I want you to be able to see Charlie whenever you like. And I'm pretty sure that the papers about all this custody shit are still filed at the courthouse, meaning that this is irrelevant. These are still legally binding, my, my lady. I mean, it's a nicer symbol to throw the papers in as opposed to going to the courthouse and throwing the judge into the fire. That would have been a little bit disconcerting. It still wouldn't change the fact that the custody decision has been made. 
by the way, before Bernard disappears, uh, he tells Charlie to whip out his snow globe and he lets him know that he can just shake it whenever he wants and day or night and that will call his dad. Awesome. Even more horror. <laughs> Existential terror, yeah. Yeah, we have yet to watch a Santa Claus movie that does not have existential terror baked in. I don't think it exists. <laughs> I really don't. You know, I'm just going to be up in my bedroom with some nice satiny PJs watching the Punch and Judy show, and all of a sudden, poof! <sighs> There's Neil in his fucking sweater because Charlie got lonely. Awesome. Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it's going to be a great tool for his murder, though. He just has to set up the entire murder device and just shake it. Oh my god, that's absolutely right. He just has to set up like a saw room and then shake the snow globe. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Damn, that's that's twisted. Motive means an opportunity. Jesus, Charlie, you are one sick fuck. This is totally not us. Yeah, this is not our our sec. We're just observing this and coming to conclusions based off the evidence. Yeah, we are simply commenting on what is clearly there in this family-friendly film. Yeah. Uh, so outside, the cops have surrounded the house, and a SWAT team gets into place. How do they know that he's there? Fuck me, whatever. They edited out the scene where Neil rushed over to the phone and called the cops. Probably. Yeah, that's where he went to have his little breakdown. He he at least remembered how to dial 911. I mean, given his state, that was that is pretty impressive. Yeah, well done. So Laura comes out with Charlie and Neil to clear things up with the cops, but the SWAT team just enters without a warrant. And uh, yeah, that's that seems par for the course for for a lot of law enforcement. Yeah, but Laura's really weird way to talk him down. It's my ex-husband. He's up the chimney. It's one of those. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun line just because it's one of the again, one of those lines that you just don't hear anywhere else. Nope. And so yeah, they um, the sleigh lifts off with Tim Allen in it, and uh, that's when the cops just with their assault rifles opened fire, blew him out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie had a very sad ending. Charlie was crying over his dad's bloody corpse. It was SWAT claws. You're either SWAT claws or you're not claws. <laughs> Cackle posse. <laughs> <laughs> So Tim Allen, you know, wishes everyone a Merry Christmas and uh, flies off, leaving everybody who's, you know, in the crowd in wonder. And Neil apologizes to Charlie. He's like, you know, hey, I'm so sorry to believe you. And Charlie's like, yeah, don't worry, Neil. You were just, you know, denying your inner child. And this really impresses Neil. He's like, you know what, kid? You're going to make a great psychiatrist one day. And that's when Charlie says the darkest fucking thing in the movie. <laughs> It's when he reveals his plan that we've been talking about this entire time. He's like, nah, I think I'm going to go into the family business. We got a usual suspects montage of that he was part of the plan all along. He got his dad outside. He tripped up Santa. <laughs> and Neil doesn't know about any of this. He doesn't know about the curse. He doesn't know about the legally soul binding business card. He's just like, ah. That's sweet and is smiling along. Yep. So Tim Allen flies back and he drops some presents, you know, with parachutes over Laura, Neil, and Charlie. Uh, Charlie gets a soccer ball and Laura finally gets the mystery date game she wanted and Neil gets his weenie whistle. And he blows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, after seeing people laugh and be merry, we pull out 
And, you know, the street's now empty. Charlie's by himself outside with a snow globe. And he's already shaking it because he wants his dad back. Uh, Laura's like, hey, come inside. And Charlie starts to walk in disappointed. But then Tim Allen floats down with the, the toy sack. And he's like, dude, I was gone for like 10 minutes. What the fuck? Whatever. Get in here. Get a hug. I have a murder plan, Dad. Yeah, you were supposed to go into the saw trap. Well, this is clearly the first time he's used it for this purpose. You got to test this shit out first, you see. Yeah, right. No, you, you only get one shot at killing your dad. I get it. Yeah. They tend to get wise to that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so after he gives Charlie Og, he's like, you want to go for a ride? And then he, he looks up at Lord. He's like, you know what? No, it's up to your mom. And please, mom. It's like, fine. You can go for a quick one. Just don't go over any oceans. Yeah, this is the point in which the movie undoes any character growth. Because the whole thing was that he was going to let his son go for Christmas Day. And then he just goes back on that 10 minutes later. So he absolutely nothing. Yeah, he makes no promises that he won't take Charlie over an ocean, which means he's definitely going to take Charlie over an ocean. And that gives Charlie another opportunity. <laughs> so are we over the ocean now, Dad? Are we? Look at me. I am Santa now. Wow. <laughs> Charlie's a stone cold killer. We know this. Anyways, the movie's over now because Tim Allen and Charlie fly into a full moon. Oh, boy. And that was The Santa Claus. But before we go as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So, Jules, what'd you learn today? Oh, that a single dad needs to believe in his delusions to be in that child's life. Yep, that is certainly helpful. Uh, and John, how about you? I learned that I could rekindle my spirit of joy and wonder with really shit toys from my childhood. <laughs> And I learned that it's really easy to win back the love of the child you neglected because all you have to do is literally become Santa Claus. And before we go, we do need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Next time, we're going to be fulfilling our civic duties with 1997's Starship Troopers. And you got a review for us to go as well? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. The Washington Post writes... For heaven only knows what reason, the outside's insects are bent on destroying humankind, and only Doogie Hauser and the cast of Beverly Hills 90210 can stop them. It's exactly like Star Wars. If you subtract a good story, sympathetic characters, intelligence, wit, and moral purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you'd love to, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.